this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. See, ladies and gentlemen, from the Jersey Shore, where many of you are listening to me right now. When the sun comes up, can you look out upon the water and see the offshore wind turbines? Approximately about six miles offshore or so. And dug deep into the underground of the water. Installed in what they call relatively shallow waters. But is that what is contributing to the death of so many of the biggest mammals who exist on this earth? The whales. The whales, they just keep coming ashore damaged, suffering just as we saw in the case of another dead whale spotted in Far Rockaway just hours ago on Beach 29th Street, struggling, struggling in the surf, but definitely damaged. And I have to ask all of you that with the continuation of these dead whales coming ashore, the Jersey Shore, 
the Rockaways out in the South Shore of Long Island. What do you think is causing uh, so many of these huge mammals that we live side by side with as they cruise the oceans and we dominate the land? What is it that's all of a sudden causing all of these deaths? And why is it that when one of these huge mammals comes ashore, it attracts so much attention that it almost causes everybody to stop what they're doing at that moment and run to the shoreline? Give you a perfect example. A few weeks ago, Atlantic City. Right? People were shooting craps like uh, our own Frank Morano from the other side of midnight at the Borgata. But he was oblivious to this because, as you know, in a casino, they don't have any windows. Can't look outside. But people were made aware that, oh, there's a whale, a huge dead whale that's rolled ashore right right on Atlantic City. Hundreds of people came running out of the casinos onto the boardwalk and onto the sand. Further down the shore in Brigantine nearby, a similar situation occurred. And they're occurring at such a rapid rate that I wanted to inquire from all of you, what do you think is causing this latest phenomenon? It's almost like you can almost predict every few days this huge species, this huge animal is going to be washed ashore. And as it uh, suffers in the waning moments of his life, because it really does suffer there, And then eventually, only to expire on shore. And they say that, okay, we're going to take it for a necropsy. And we're going to tell you what caused its death. And yet, we never really hear anything about it whatsoever. Anything. And you say to yourself, well, wait a second. The whales are coming ashore, the whales are injured, the whales are suffering. They have that sort of last uh, spout of water uh, through their, uh, I guess you could call it the uh, sprout, uh, spout there on top of a whale. And then all of a sudden you recognize that it's dead, that it's gone. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W-A-B-C. Now think about it. Uh, I oftentimes have said that when I hear the sound of that whale, I think of Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie, Mike Orca, the killer whale. He surfaces every Sunday morning for his weekly paid-for appearance with Stephanopoulos on ABC National uh, Television, in which he's usually criticizing uh, Donald Trump or those who are associated with Donald Trump, and always suggesting that just maybe he will jump into the pool and he himself will run for president of the United States. And I notice that as the killer whale orca... Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie goes up and down the Jersey Shore from uh, Wildwood to Point Pleasant. And uh, in, in that area, think of it, how many whales have washed ashore? 
And the onlookers, they just come, they come, they come. Six humpbacks have washed up on the New York and New Jersey beaches so far this year. And you're saying to yourself, wow, you look down at Virginia, they've had five. You look out at some of the other locations up and down North America, and it's just a continuation. Now, they claim that the port of New York and New Jersey has become the busiest shipping port in the country late last year. I don't think so. I think the port of Los Angeles takes in far more cargo, far more ships than the port of Newark and Elizabeth. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll contend with that based on the analytics, but let's presuppose that they're absolutely correct. I would much prefer to say let's look at the rise of the offshore wind facilities in New York and New Jersey. I mean, let's face it, that's been the biggest change offshore that's changed. Vessels have always been going back and forth, whether to the port of Newark and Elizabeth or the port of Brooklyn, Red Hook, or uh, the cruise liners coming in, uh, that dock right near the Intrepid on the west side of Manhattan. What about you have the port of New Haven, you have the port of Boston, you go further down uh, to the port of Philadelphia and then the port of Baltimore, Uh, go down towards uh, Savannah, Georgia, the port there, Charleston, and then Tampa, St. Petersburg, and yet, I don't see as to how much more cargo is coming in and out, how many more uh, ships bearing fuel oil are coming in and out. Maybe a slight increase. But why all of a sudden so many whales coming ashore? Now, some have suggested that when they are putting the pilings in way underneath the ocean surface, they're using sonar in order to calculate exactly how far down that they have to go. And that, in fact, that has caused a number of these mammoth animals, these whales, to lose their own sort of guidance system, their own divining rod, and they're thrown astray. And that wherever there's construction of these turbines, and let's face it, we want more energy created uh, from natural sources like wind. But is it responsible for the harm That is coming to these whales now. Should there be a secession of building any more of these wind turbines until we figure it out? Or must we pursue this as the alternative to burning fossil fuels, which we know ultimately is not good for Mother Earth? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to John, who's calling from Freehold. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. That's exactly what it is. They approved the windmills. They're sending the sonar to clear the whole area. They're going from Brigantine up through Manasquan, and that is what is killing the whales. It's very simple. It's not science. It's simple. So would you uh, temporarily cease and desist the construction of any more of these uh, windmills? You have to. How The governor approved this, and now he sees the result. He's digging himself a hole that he's never going to get out of. It, there, there's going to be more every day. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's, getting I, 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 it's getting ugly. I would concur with you. I think, in fact, there's going to be a protest on Sunday against half in the bag. Always smashed as he is, <laughs> Governor Murphy. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly right. I think uh, exactly in front right. of the aquarium. I'm not. I'm not totally sure where that is on the Jersey Shore. Point Pleasant, I'm guessing. Point Pleasant, uh, a rally over the whale deaths, and it just seems that it has pitted animal rights activists like my wife Nancy loves the whales uh, versus those who. Uh, want a cleaner environment because of the energy that can be created by the wind turbines. Although there are others who say the wind turbines uh, kill incredible numbers of birds. That was always uh, Donald Trump's contention. One of his con- uh, contentions, why he wasn't promoting the use of uh, that energy-making device. But, boy, it really gives or, or is Fracking it? Fracking doesn't kill any animals. Fracking does not kill any animals. How they stop that? and came up with this cockamamie windmill with sonic to sonically shoot to, to clear the whole ocean bed. And that's what's killing the whales. Very good, John. Let's flip the script. Our number is one 800 I wonder if you were at Point Pleasant uh, in the morning when the sun rises up, would you actually see Orca, the killer whale known as Shamu? Chris Christie doing laps. Back and forth between Wildwood and Point Pleasant. Screaming out loud that he could have been president of the United States. He remembers when those pig farmers came to drum thwack it. And they appealed to he and his wife and said, you know, if you come out to Iowa for the Caucasoid caucuses, We'll back you, lock, stock, and barrel, and you won't have to drink ethanol. Yeah, you'll be a winner. You'll be on your way to the Republican nomination. And he said, no. No, no, I think it's Romney's time, but I could be his vice president. And then all of a sudden, Romney, who uh, looked to Salt, this great Salt Lake uh, outside of Salt Lake City, did not see a whale in there, said, no, I'd rather have uh, Badger Boy... uh, Ryan from Wisconsin. What a mistake that was. I think you'd be sounding just like this if you were. Shamu! El Jefe, Chris Christie, could have been the vice president. Could have been the chief of staff for Donald Trump. And instead, you're left to cruise up and down the Jersey Shore. Listening for the sonar. For the wind turbines <laughs> that are being built six miles off shore. <laughs> this does sound like Shamu Alefe Chris Christie, doesn't it? Yeah, remember when he was on, uh, what is that, Seaside Heights? And he was double-fisted. He had both cones there, you know, that orange and uh, orange sherbet. And some guy was on a bicycle and was passing. Hey, don't you think you ought to stop eating ice cream, Governor? And he wanted to fight the guy right there. He does sound like this, right? When he comes on with Stephanopoulos on Sunday mornings, I want you to compare this to what emotes from him when he's asked the question, which normally uh, is followed by him bashing Donald Trump. Remember the one he professed that he loved 
when he came onto that tarmac in Dallas, Fort Worth, the airport, and said, I'm supporting Donald Trump for president. Remember, and immediately Donald Trump dispatched him to the nearby McDonald's to get 38 fish fillet, 38 quarter pounders with cheese, 38 supersized fries, and he came back with 16 of each. And the Donald said, what happened to the rest? Dad, I got hungry on the way back. Oh, yeah. Chris Christie, I know wherever you are out there, particularly at that time, probably the most famous photograph of all. When you were with your family at your vacation at the governor's uh, location on the shore, and you were sitting there in the lawn chair looking up, you looked like a beach whale right there. You really did. Can anybody interpret what Shamu Chris Christie is saying right here as he cruises up and down the Jersey Shore from Point Pleasant to Wildwood? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Side of Midnight, 77 WABC. This is another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Ladies and gentlemen, to stay alive inside a whale. Remember the biblical story of Jonah swallowed by a whale for three days and then vomited out onto land? Well, I remember as a kid, what was that Disney uh, film uh, in which uh, Pinocchio and Geppetto they were inside some giant whale? And remember, I think Pinocchio started a bonfire. And the whale sneezed them right out, right? Is it uh, is it possible to stay alive if Shamu, while cruising up and down, while you're swimming in the Jersey Shore, if he would have come by and... 
You think you'd be uh, exhaled through that blowhole? Boy, what a blowhole he has. But then again, everybody in talk radio has a blowhole. We're adding to global warming climate change with all the hot air we expel into the atmosphere. I mean, 24 7, 365. Oh, no. Absolute. We're right. Oh, uh, uh, get out of here. Why aren't we talking about the whales, right? Because what happens to the whales will eventually happen to us. Think of it, those gray whales out there, the friendliest on the planet. All up and down the North American coast, they take a trip of about 12,500 miles from Alaska down to Mexico. Would you swim with the whales? Would you swim with orca or shamu? Or would you just stick to swimming with the dolphins, right? And can whales fall in love? And how do uh, whales fornicate and copulate? That would be a little different, difficult, right? I mean, I'm sure they fall in love. But are there homosexual whales and are there lesbian whales and non-binary whales? Who knows? Never read that in Moby Dick. Herman Melville possessed Captain Ahab was in revenge. I'm going to get that great white one if it's the last thing I do. Can we say that any longer, great white one? I don't know. Sort of a bit prejudicial. The great white one. We never say great black one, right? I don't know. May not be politically correct anyway. Let's go to um, let's go to William, who's calling along the Jersey Shore, Ashbury Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, William. Hello, Mr. Sliwa. So my theory on the whales is when you have a turbine, it has a generator, produces an electromagnetic field. It's 483 phase. It's quite the electromagnetic field. Now, whales use the magnetic lines of earth to navigate so when they come up in shallower water to hunt fish as they've been doing for a long time that's not a new thing i'm a surfer i've been seeing whales for as long as i've been surfing they tend to to, to, a lot of times they either hit the pylon or they're running circles around it because they get thrown off by that magnetic field they get hungry they float more toward the top of the water because they got to breathe more then they got a better chance of getting hit by a boat this is ridiculous with these turbines because when you got to step all that power up to 10,000 volts to go across a, a high-tension wire, you're losing a lot of the energy you just generated. Carbon dioxide is good for the environment. That's what you have coming out of even a coal plant because of the scrubbers. And you take the stuff that's in the scrubbers when you're done with it, and you make distillates, and you can make all kinds of things, synthetic rubbers that are in a part that I use to fix your cars all the time. Now, does that mean, uh, William, does that mean since carbon dioxide is good that we need to exhale more than we inhale since we exhale carbon dioxide? Should we continue doing that more? Exactly. Because what you get with more carbon dioxide, even if you get a warmer planet, which the Voskov ice core samples disproved, what are you going to get? You're going to get a thicker atmosphere, more rain, maybe a green Sahara desert, and maybe, just maybe, more farmland in places like, uh, you know, the tundra in Canada or Siberia. Now, question, uh, William, you identified yourself as a surfer. How many years have you been surfing? 
About nine years. All right. I want you to do this, William, you and all your surfer boys and girls out there. When you're out there paddling out and you're looking in the distance six miles and you're seeing those turbine-driven windmills, I want you to continue to exhale. Do not inhale. I don't know how you're going to do this, but we need more carbon dioxide, according to Surfer William there. Avery, I would like uh, to use you in an experimental situation. See how often you can exhale carbon dioxide, but don't inhale oxygen. Well, if he doesn't inhale oxygen, he'll die like a whale, right? I don't know. Carbon dioxide, good. More carbon dioxide, we want more. Photosynthesis. That's why a tree grew in Brooklyn, you know, to... to Take all that carbon dioxide and then turn it into oxygen. Wonder what the whale thinks about all of that since they breathe too. And notice what do they exhale out of? That blowhole. Anyway, let's go to Tom in Rockville Center. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Curtis, how are you? Tom, you seem like you're struggling there a bit. Uh, you okay? I was blown out like the whales. Oh, you mean you were exhaling through your blowhole. So, Curtis, my observation is that being a South Shore boater for 20-plus oh, years here on Long Island, the number of whales that we see off our shore has exploded over the last 15, 20 years. Could it possibly be that the population of the whales have expanded so much it's just a natural dying off of the breeds? Yeah, well, a, a, the, a, the, the waters are cleaner, at least around uh, North America. Uh, there's less whaling. Remember, you had countries uh, that would send the whaling vessels out all the time. The old Soviet Union did it, Norway, the Nordic countries, obviously Japan, China. Uh, there's less whaling going on uh, with culling the herd. So you may be right about that. Uh, I hope we don't have to start whaling again on the east end of Long Island where we're heard on WLIR, our FM, uh, our FM affiliate, because uh, further out from Rockville Center, all the way out in the east end, remember, there used to be the big whaling community out there, Tom. Correct. You know, the thought I had was, you know, they're doing all these necrosities, you know, examining these whales that have died. If there was a smoking gun of anything that was killing them, why does it come to light? Maybe there's just natural causes they're passing on. Well, that's that's why we have to do a complete study. Instead of people who want to see green energy, and I understand I want to see green energy. I don't want to be burning fossil fuels. But if, in fact, these uh, wind towers that require explosions on the ocean surface to be able to sort of uh, wave them in so that they'll stand up, they won't keel over. And then you have to send sonar in that direction to find the location first. It would seem like, yeah, it would interfere with the navigation system that Mother Nature has naturally built into all these kind of whales. So why not study it intensely Come up with a conclusion. Is it because they're getting hit by sea traffic? 
Is it because of, uh, unfortunately, the whales who digest so much fish as they're swimming all along the way, fish and uh, all kinds of growth uh, in the ocean, that they're consuming such massive amounts of plastic and fish tackle line that's uh, sort of uh, causing their intestines to become strangled inside, uh, leading to a horrible death. I'm sure that there are many, many contributing factors. The one thing is we're seeing whales once again in places we hadn't seen since the late 1880s. And I think that's because there's so much uh, cleaner water. Uh, because uh, we have taken uh, methods uh, to dump less, uh, dump sewage less, dump chemicals less, dump toxins less. Now, we're doing that in North America. Can't say the same for Asia. Can't say the same for South America or Africa. Uh, they're certainly uh, restricting uh, what they dump into the ocean in uh, Europe. But it's certainly made for a cleaner ocean, which I have to believe has contributed to the development of more whales and the various whale species. I think that's a good thing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Marie, who's calling from Southampton. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Marie. Morning, Curtis. How are you, love? Good, good. Very good. Anyway, on Long Island, for quite some time, from Montauk to Far Rockaway, yes, there was an occasional whale every year here and there. And they take the samples and they try to see. But I believe lately now it's because of the wind towers. You know, it's the other man, the surfer guy, said it all. So I'm not going to repeat everything that he said. But they're thinking that's what's going on. Um, it's a shame. You know, when they bury them right there, they bury the, the whales right there on the beach after they take samples and everything. Um, and I just want to not correct you, my friend, but the killer whale that you keep talking about, we don't have them on this side of the ocean. They're on the California coast. <laughs> you keep making fun of... <laughs> Marie. Anyway... Maybe Pinocchio has the answer for all this, but there's too many people in the world, and we're trying other means of, of, of energy. There's just too many people in the world. Eight, anyway. eight billion at last count, but there is one killer whale on the eastern shore. Yes, that's that's Chris. <laughs> that's, Shamu, that's Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie. And he is and maybe- intent on destroying all of his political opponents. Yeah. Although he will fail to do that as he has failed to do this before, Marie. Well, anyway, breaking news. Did you hear the breaking news lately, love? What's that? I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you right now, and this is the truth, my friend. Donald Trump will not be running in 2024. They're not going to put him in the White House again after what all happened with the chaos. And that's the truth. Only because the courts are almost done with him, they're not. The, this country is not going to put him in office again. Well, and, and you, you do. Too, you do realize, Marie. You do realize, yes, Marie, that yes, uh, it is the mission of Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie, to make sure that that, in fact, is the case. Donald Trump cannot run again every Sunday Breaking morning. News, WABC.
every Sunday morning. Shamuel Hefe, Chris Christie, appears to bash and trash Donald Trump. Now, I don't know how many other ways he can do it. I'm no Trumper. I'm a never-Trumper. But, my God, ease up. Ease up, Shamuel Hefe, Chris Christie. You were kick. You were kissing his tuchus and getting him McDonald's off the tarmac in Dallas when you you had to go down there to endorse him. Remember, oh, 26, oh, Donald. As you thought, that you might be his vice presidential choice or his chief of staff. And you know what you got? You got Ugats. You got Bupkis. Let's go to Colleen calling from the Jersey Shore. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Colleen. What happened to Colleen? Is Colleen swimming with the fishes? Mysteriously, Colleen wanted to talk specifically about Shamu El Hafe, Chris Christie. She's gone. How dare you? How dare you stand in the way of a man who insists that he could have been president, should have been president, that it could have been him, not Donald Trump. He was the predecessor. You remember that. 2012 could have been his year. And yet he told the pig farmers from Iowa where there are more pigs than people. No, I'm not. I'm not drinking ethanol. Coming to Iowa for the Caucasoids. Anyway, let's go to Paul in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Paul. Hi, Curtis. Good morning. uh, We used to make Navy sonar in a company in Florida, and it would be like a giant speaker. If we were cranking it up, it would be probably, I don't know if you know about sound, 170 decibels. So if it was on land for a person, it would be like walking towards a jet engine or, you know, going to a very loud concert. But, you know, I don't see it really killing the dolphins. I was exposed to it for weeks and months, you know. (laughs) Well, wait a second, Paul. Hold on a second. Uh, When you go to a doctor, the doctor examines you, right, Paul? You don't examine yourself, do you, Paul? No, but I may have to do a quick, you know, I have to diagnose myself so I can figure out what I got to talk to the doctor about and ask him what kind of medication I might need in the general category. Paul, Paul, do you listen to Curtis Sliwa on the other side of midnight? I have been for some months. I really enjoy you know, calling and being able to call in and say hi. No, 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 I, 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 I appreciate that. But, Paul, it could well mean you're slightly titched to bots, all the furniture upstairs <laughs> rearranged in the wrong rooms. It could go back to being exposed to that sonar. Uh, possibly, but I went to Black Sabbath concerts, too, when I was young, so in the Grateful Dead. So oh, you, oh yeah, you, must, you must love it every time I play Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath's War Pigs. That was a good one. Oh yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna Sweet be Leaf. Yep. Sweet Leaf was good too. Yeah, we're gonna be playing that coming up. And all this balloon nonsense, these warmongers, these armchair generals. Oh looking for a payday. Looking to make that money. 
Let's go to Michael calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Michael. Hi, Curtis. Um, you said earlier, could a man actually go into the belly of a whale and live? Um, well, there was an English soldier back in 1860-something or 1870-something who was swallowed by a whale. And I don't know how long he was in the belly of the whale. I, I, so long ago that I read about it. But he um, he got out alive. Uh, he was bleached white as a bone. And uh, I think he wasn't uh, quite right in the mind anymore. Now, question, uh, very similar to what we learned in the Bible when Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And three days later, the whale vomited him uh, onto the land. Would it Would it be possible that... It was somewhat similar to that? Yeah, it could be. I don't think it was for three days, though. <laughs> wow. I wish I, had the, I wish I had all the information in front of me so I could tell you, hey, Curtis, it's this, this, but I don't have it. An Englishman who may well yeah, have he, fallen he, off. He, uh, may, Bar- no, go ahead, Michael. No, his name was James Bartley. James Bartley, was he on a British vessel at the time, fell off, and then the whale swallowed him? I really can't remember how he ended up getting swallowed by the whale. I just know I read about it years ago. Well, the reason I mention that is, you know, when they were on ships, as soldiers were, being transported from battlefield to battlefield by the British Navy, they'd be drinking a lot of grog, a lot of grog. (laughs) You think maybe he got a little too tipsy, fell off the starboard side, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Moby Dick came up and just... <laughs> possible, it's possible. I think very plausible. Think of it. When the Spanish Armada was sent to destroy the British fleet, and uh, a storm came and wiped them out, and so many of the Spaniard... Uh, Navy uh, members had to swim to shore. Many of them ended up swimming to Ireland, surviving there. But it is very plausible that as they went down to Davy Jones's locker, all those Spanish galleons that were destroyed by that storm before they could engage the British Navy might well have been swallowed by the British Moby Dicks. Of Herbin Melville. Remember how Captain Ahab so desperately wanted revenge? Because that killer white whale had taken his leg in a previous engagement. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We all were forced to read Moby Dick. Remember, that was like required reading in school. You had to read Moby Dick over the summer because the first thing it came back in September, you were going to get tested. You had to do a book report. So what did you do, Avery, our telephone screener and nighttime producer, and uh, Broadway Billy, who's back. He was away last weekend, but he's back having visited his uh, having visited his condo down there in Lee County in Fort Myers which was almost destroyed recently when that storm came ashore and yet uh, checking on your very dear friend Warner Wolf down there who uh, has a condo right next to you all those years at WCBS-FM. 
Later on, uh, as you continue to sit shiver for Scott Shannon, uh, who, by the way, uh, Broadway Billy, didn't die. He just retired. But he had an interview. I remember when I was there, WABC, we we, uh, operated on the same floor. AM was on one side, WABC, the other side, WPLJ. And Scott Shannon had a special guest, Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders. And she was explaining why she allowed Rush Limbaugh to use his song as his opening sort of theme that reverberated all over the country. Remember, Chrissy Hine was an animal rights activist, a member of PETA. She would have uh, loved the whales, still does. And Rush Limbaugh was completely the opposite. Oh, you're going to want to hear this uh, later on. That's why you got to stay with me to the break of dawn. It's the anniversary of the death of Rush Limbaugh. And uh, I was blown away at 7.05 Friday morning as I'm on with Sid Rosenberg. Now, he has an humongous ego that needs a crane to carry him in and out of the studio each day. I'm with him Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7.05. But when I heard him say that he was better than Rush Limbaugh, more entertaining, Friday morning at 7.05, I was like, what? That would be like me saying I'm better than the king of talk radio, Bob Grant. Man, he went way overboard. I'm a complete idiot. I know that. Yeah, you proved that on Friday morning. Better than Rush Limbaugh. Are you out of your mind? Boy, I love being right, huh? Yeah, well, you certainly weren't right on Friday morning, that's for sure. Oh, I hate myself. You should. That was you disgraziata, Ashanda, to suggest that you more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh was when he was broadcast. a lot of money. Nowhere near as much money as Rush Limbaugh made, that's for sure. Let's go, if we can, to Oswald, who's calling all the way from Bingington. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Oswald. Yes, good evening, Curtis. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, okay. I think that cat with the electromagnetic pulse was on to something. Now, listen, bear with me if you can, because I have a couple of things going on here. And by the way, tell Bill O'Reilly I'm sitting on the sidelines. I want to diversify. Somebody's shoes over there worth $1 million one twice a week over there, and I am posterized in on that Casamitini roundtable thing. I saw he spins a table around like uh, somebody they're holding their hands across a wheel, pulling it down, and the other one's sliding down. You know what I'm talking about? He's spinning a table around when nobody's looking, stealing all the information out from underneath. Now listen. Sonar not only affects the large mammals out there known as our whale friends, but also humans. Oswald is a perfect example of that. He thinks that John Katsimatidis' roundtable discussion at 5 Monday through Friday is the wheel of fortune. And then again, we will be referring to Bingington's finest. Later on in the show, 
a very famous person who was born and raised in Bingington, and they're trying to erect a statue of him to honor his work, his creative work. They're finding a difficult time doing that. I'm, I'm saying to myself, is there anybody left in Bingington? I, I know many of the folks up in that direction have fled to Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, and parts unknown. But who am I referring to? Who is the the favorite son of Bingington in which there should be a statue in his honor? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mike in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. How you doing, Curtis? Yeah, I, we spoke to Nancy about the uh, Wells dying about a year ago, and I'm sure she ran up a lot of uh, against red tape and stuff. But look, uh, I've been in the Coast Guard Auxiliary for 26 years. I've been in the Marine Safety Unit for 26 years. That's almost before the wind turbines, I'm pretty sure. Okay, they had issues with whales and dolphins swallowing and dying from balloons. They found balloons uh, tied together in, in uh, whales and in dolphins. And what happens is when a balloon goes into the mouth of a whale, the first thing it wants to do is go up. And the, the it wants to go to the easiest way out, and that's a blowhole. It clogs up the blowhole. The, the whale shuts its mouth, to, and it, it just suffocates. And once it dies, it opens up the mouth. The, the evidence leaves the whale, and then when they find the dead whale, they don't know why it died. Now, I, I think it was Brookhaven Laboratories that were doing the uh, the autopsies on the on on the large mammals, okay? And they found balloons, uh, you know, like tied together in these animals. So, I mean, now they're, they're, they're like, you could do, uh, you fill up your own balloons with the canisters of helium, man. There's balloons all over the place. And, and the easiest way... To uh to remedy this is you know we're not going to stop the wind turbines. Maybe we could try and slow down on the balloons on the helium for a little while to see what's going on. You know because it's a shame, and we're only finding a very fraction of these dead whales. There's a, many of them uh, in the ocean just drifting. You Mike, know, uh, Mike, Mike, it gives me reason to believe that with the close to sixty thousand balloons that are hovering above us whether they happen to be for weather uh, gathering information or they're commercial or they're advertising balloons or they're sent up by our government or the dreaded red Chinese you saw us shoot that balloon down off of South Carolina. We may have to send our Top Gun pilots. Mayor Adams. (laughs) Yeah, Mayor Adams. Oh, my God. I can imagine him. He's afraid of rats. You can imagine a whale, right? You can imagine. You know, he's gonna have. He's gonna have a special helicopter unit shooting down the helium balloons before they hit the water. But you bring up a very valid point that all these balloons, and we're not talking the uh, balloons that uh, have been shot down, or all the sightings of balloons. 30,000, 40,000 feet up. We're talking about the balloons that people will let go into the atmosphere, whether it's to commemorate somebody's death or whether it's a party or whether it's a birthday or whether it's a uh, wedding. Whatever the circumstance, whatever goes up must come down. 
And you're absolutely right. The ocean is two-thirds of Mother Earth. We're only a third landmass. And them balloons are coming down somewhere. And I'm sure those uh, those whales that are, like, dredging out there, when they, I mean, when they go to eat, man, they dredge everything up. They open up that big mouth, and then a... So whether it's plastic, or whether it's balloons... Likewise, dolphins, other sea life. Yeah, we may have to knock out the balloons. What the hell do we need balloons for, right? I mean, think about it. God bless you, Curtis. God bless you, my brother. Yeah, we got we to gotta save the whales. Remember, what was the group that you would be entering the airport in? Let's say Terminal 1 JFK that was closed. And they always used to have a table out. And it would say, save the whales. What was that group? And then side by side with them was another group that would be standing there with their literature claiming the Queen of England was the biggest drug dealer in the world. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Frank Morano, who always thinks in references to Star Trek. What about Star Trek for the voyage home? Remember when Spock, Leonard Nimoy, managed to discern that the signal was the song of a humpback whale, which were then extinct? What did he do? He traveled back in time to 1986 to find some humpback whales and nuclear vessels. And he brought them back to 2286 so that they could answer that signal. Sound of the whale will persevere for all of time. Whether it's Shamuel Hefe Chris Christie. Or it's the great greys who are the friendliest of all the elephants. But yes, the only way we could spoon feed this to Frank Morano would be to say Star Trek for the voyage home. God what we had to listen to all this past week about him and Captain Kirk. I hope, Avery, you have prepared an extravaganza bisection and dissection for Sunday morning, 4 o'clock, the funniest hour in all of radio. When we use Frank Morano's own words from the worst side of the other side of midnight against him and he 
He himself is amazed by saying, did I say that? Did I? This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Thinking about all the balloon talk, all the armchair generals, all of them out there talking about how when we shot down that first balloon, that was an act of war. How many times could Gordon Chang say that over and over and over? It's an act of war. Now I see he's added an addendum claiming that maybe those other objects, items, balloons were sent by Vladimir Putin. So it's a pincher move on us by the Red Chinese and by the old Soviet menace. So maybe it calls for the doctrine of Bush 43 preemptive strike. is a politician who says don't trust politicians on another side of midnight with curtis lewa the iconic the legendary curtis lewa this city doesn't sleep and neither does curtis lewa on another side of midnight weekend overnights saturdays from 1 to 6 a.m and sunday from midnight to 6 a.m 77 wabc the chairman of the board, Old Blue Eyes, the Sultan of Swoon. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank Sinatra! This Sunday night, starting at 6, it's Ramsey Mazda's Sundays with Sinatra. With your host, the vice chairman of the board, Joe Piscopo. Thank you very much. You're marvelous. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ramsey Mazda's Sundays with Sinatra. This Sunday night, starting at 6, with me, Joe Piscopo, on Music Radio. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa.
They want war. Go get him, Tom Cruise. This is real. This is right from the gut. This is not pre-scripted. I'm not reading off the teleprompter. I'm not an actor or an actress like those who do talk TV, who could just as soon change teams and tribes and tell you things that are completely different. No, 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 no. This is right from the gut. So, uh... With all of our warmongers out there, armchair generals, those who like lens lice on talk TV and make constant appearances on talk radio, I say to myself, you want to go to freaking war over balloons? Really? Yeah, that's right. Gamblers, shoot down those damn balloons flying over us. There are 60,000 balloons up there in the air. And almost all of them are ours. What the hell are we going to do? Go to war? And of course, we would like to see the footage. We felt good when Tom Cruise came out with the new Top Gun, right? It sort of inspired the jingoistic uh, American feeling. The war is good. Brings us all together. We get to rally round the flag, right? Many of you were imagining when we were hearing that our Navy flight veterans and Air Force personnel were high in the sky searching out these objects, these items, these balloons, that oftentimes it sounded just like this. Look at this. Jesus Christ. I can take a shot right here. I need another 20 seconds, then I've got him. I've got the shot. Come on, Mav. Let's get in there. Come on, Mav. Mavericks getting impatient. Eh? Come on, take the shot. Ten more seconds, then I've got him. Come on, Ice. Get the hell out of there. Let's do it, Mav. Ice, come off high right. I'm in. Five more seconds. Come off high right, Ice. I'm in. I'm off. The fear. The fright. The hysteria. The hype. Could I have that Top Gun, please? Because we we really felt that when our men and women were up there high in the sky, they were just like Tom Cruise out of Pensacola, Florida, in the Top Gun school, right? And then all of a sudden we found out that one of the UFOs shot down last weekend by the U.S. Air Force with a $400,000 missile had taken down a $12 balloon belonging to an Illinois club, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Was this not the most embarrassing thing? Y'all wanted Joe Biden and the generals in the Pentagon to go to war, right? 
when we took down that red Chinese balloon that sailed all across America to all of a sudden Myrtle Beach, right, where all the golfers stopped, all the duffers. People weren't even taking mulligans. And they were looking high in the sky because they saw Top Gun gunners take it down. Within the 12-mile international limit, and then we saw pictures of our Coast Guard seizing the debris. And all of a sudden, coming out of the belly of the beast, as he does 24-7-365, always figuring out a way we could go to war against Red China. Gordon Chang. He was lens lice. He was everywhere. He was on this station on every program. I said, hey, you think you could get a little uh, original and creative? Like, we've had Gordon Chang on like six times already today. No. Because we wanted to hear the message of Gordon Chang. And he has said it over, over, and over. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. An act of war. An act of war. war. Committing an act of war. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. So tired by the end of the day only to recharge his Motorola batteries and come back the next day and say it was an act of war. Now he's got to have a new spin because these other items, objects, balloons we've shot down, they don't belong to the Red Chinese. They're ours. So now he's claiming, well, maybe they're Putin's. You know, we could go to war simultaneously with the Russian menace and the Red Chinese menace. But that's just Gordon Chang. His specialty is Red China. So naturally, what is he going to say? Oh, let's have peace with Red China? Of course not. Then nobody will have him on as a guest. Because you have to pump fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. You got to promote war. You got to get everybody percolating out there. Yeah, we're going to get these son of a bitches if it's the last thing we do. And then who do you always turn to? When you feel like you have been transgressed, we need to see a TV general. We need a TV general to emerge. We have no idea what kind of a general he ever was. If he was a general of a supply unit, but he's a TV general. He's right out of central casting. Looks like he could be Dr. Strange Club, but it's not because this is real. And then naturally, who do we see over and over again? Why, of course, it's General Jack Kane to the rescue. That is alarming. To me, it's more serious of a problem. Because I believe that China is not just trying to uh, get information from military bases by surveilling them. They're trying to penetrate the United States with other kinds of vehicles and find out where we're vulnerable because we don't have sufficient radar coverage or sufficient satellite coverage. And likely that is in the south, southeast, and southwest. Damn right, General. By the way, uh, General, what's your portfolio? What's your side hustles? How many companies of the military-industrial complex do you get money from? You know, when it's peace, when you're turning... uh, when you're turning a plowshare right into, uh, no, actually, when you're turning a sword into a plowshare, you don't make money. When you turn a plowshare into a sword, you make a lot of money. 
Today here, General Jack Keane again, so alarmed, saying, we're vulnerable in the south, in the southeast. We need to improve our defensive systems. That is alarming. To me, it's more serious for problem. Because I believe that China is not just trying to uh, get information from military bases by surveilling them. They're trying to penetrate the United States with other kinds of vehicles and find out where we're vulnerable because we don't have sufficient radar coverage or sufficient satellite coverage. And likely that is in the south, southeast and southwest. Let's see who has the contracts for that. Which major Fortune 500 military industrial complex company? And then let's look to see if General Jack Keane is a advisor to them. You know, whatever comes around goes around. They've done parodies in movies. My favorite when it comes to the warmongers and those always beating the drums to go to war so that they can make money and people can die. It's a great character played in Dr. Strangelove by the crazed, maniacal general George C. Scott, who was at Central Sac Command with the President of the United States when he came to the conclusion long before Bush 43 and the neocons and Dick Cheney, the whole concept of preemptive strikes. Get them before they get us. We were to immediately launch an all-out and coordinated attack on all their airfields and missile bases. We'd stand a damn good chance of catching them with their pants down. Hell, we got a fiber on missile superiority as it is. We could easily assign three missiles to every target and still have a very effective reserve force for any other contingency. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We've learned a lot from movies. Remember Austin Powers... Remember when those UFOs were spotted high in the sky, whether they were balloons, objects, or items? Colonel, you better take a look at this radar. What is it, son? I don't know, sir, but it looks like a giant dick. Yeah. Take a look out of starboard. Oh, my God, it looks like a huge... Pecker! Oh, where? Wait, that's not a word pecker. It looks like someone's... Private! We have reports of an unidentified flying object. It is a long, smooth shaft, complete with two balls. What is that? That looks just like an enormous... Wang, pay attention. I was distracted by that enormous flying... Willie. Yeah. What's that? Well, it looks like a giant... Johnson. Yes, sir. Get on the horn to British intelligence and let them know about this. Of course. We can't take these things idly, can we? Anything we see high in the sky now, we have to shoot it out. Cock that shotgun. Get up there in a balloon. Let's call upon the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. If the United States military won't do it, then we're going to have to call upon others to get up there and shoot the 60,000 balloons that we have high in the sky out. How do we know that one of them are not sent here by the Red Chinese or the Putin menace? Soviet, the old Soviet Union, maybe a balloon that is still in service, still hovering above the stratosphere, spying on us.
And then remember the famous scene in Austin Powers in which the Generalissimo ordered the conscript to forget what he just saw on that radar screen. Oh, my God. The big boy's gone. Listen, son. I want you to forget what you saw here today. Phillips, call the president. Sir. Prepare the jet. Bring my overnight bag. And, uh, Phillips, eat my fish. Not too much. And remember, in Dr. Strange Glove with Peter Sellers, when he was with that lieutenant colonel with the machine gun, Remember what that lieutenant colonel said about politicians, remember? For today, war is too important to be left to politicians. They have neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. You remember that scene? It was a takeoff of the John Birch Society that said in the 60s and 70s that fluoridation in the water supply was a communist plot to indoctrinate Americans. Better that your teeth rot Better that they fall out. You're a patriot. Than to drink water that has gone through a fluoridation process. It's all part of a communist plot. There are communists everywhere. I hear some of the callers to WABC and Broadway Bill Lee, they see a communist everywhere. Communists under a bed, communists around the pole. Everything's a communist. All the Democrats are communists. It's all part of a method to just totally destroy our way of life. And they said, where is the president? We want the president to declare an act of war. Just like Bush 43 said, it's time for war against Saddam Hussein. Just like Lyndon Johnson said, I have the Gulf of Tonkin resolution. We're going to send more troops to Vietnam. And of course, who can ever forget? Remember the Maine. Remember the Maine. The Spaniards blew it up right there in the port of Havana, right? Time to go to war. Well, we've learned later on it was an accident. What the hell? All for manifest destiny. And then finally they wheeled our president out. After days and days we said, where is President Joe Biden? We need to hear him talk about these balloons, these objects, these items. Maybe he's afraid of the red Chinese. Because he has so many interests in red China with his son Hunter. And then finally he came out of his crypt. And he made his remarks about what everybody... Couldn't couldn't go to work, couldn't focus, couldn't get the kids off to school. They were wondering, does this put us on the precipice of war against the Red Chinese? Because lingering in our thought was the statements of Gordon Chang. Gordon Chang, who, my God, was on Sid Rosenberg's show, was on Brian Kilmeade's show, 
was on Greg Kelly's show, was on uh, Rudy Giuliani's show, was on uh, Bo Snerdley's show. We were to immediately launch an all-out and coordinated attack on all their airfields and missile bases. We'd stand a damn good chance of catching them with their pants down. Hell, we got a fireball on missile superiority as it is. We could easily assign three missiles to every target and still have a very effective reserve force for any other contingency. Yeah. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. Absolutely. This is an act of war. Absolutely. This is an act of war. Yes. An act of war. Yes. An act of war. Yes. Committing an act of war. Yes. Committing yes. an act yes. of war. This is an uh, act of war. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. An act of war. An act of war. war. Committing an act of war. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. Are there any of you? Well, actually believe this was an act of war. You, you realize two weeks ago you were in a frenzy to start a shooting war with the Red Chinese. You realize that? Remember when you said, if then Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi goes to Taiwan, a.k.a. Formosa, it'll anger every Xi. It could be war. That never happened. Well, what the hell? You know, let's not revisit something that was fake, phony, fraudulent, fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. Ah, shut this up, is an act of war. This is an act of war. <laughs> now he's got a new spin on it. Well, it could be the Soviet menace. You know, balloons left over from World War II or maybe after the Cold War when Nikita Khrushchev. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. I'd love for some of you chair, armchair generals, those warmongers out there, apologize for the way you felt two weeks ago. Today I heard from some of you. Curtis, well, uh, our president is so weak, we got to take them out. And then finally, President Joe Biden came out days, weeks later, and he had this to say. Last week, in the immediate aftermath of the incursion by China's high-altitude balloon, our military, through the North American Aerospace Defense Command, so-called NOR- NORAD, closely scrutinized uh, the, uh, our airspace, including enhancing our radar to pick up more slow-moving objects above our country, around the world. In doing so, they uh, tracked three unidentified objects, one in Alaska, Canada, and over Lake Huron in the Midwest. They acted in accordance with established parameters for determining how to deal with unidentified aerial objects in U.S. airspace. At their recommendation, I gave the order to take down these three objects due to hazards to civilian commercial air traffic and because we could not rule out the surveillance risk of sensitive facilities. (laughs) The president had a trigger finger. Before he was asleep, he would not react until after the fact. And then you all prompted him to have a trigger figure so that anything flying in the sky he was going to shoot down. It didn't matter what it was, including, including the $400,000 missile that was fired and an object that apparently belonged to the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade that was hovering over Alaska. 
I want to salute the U.S. Air Force for taking that object out. Who knows? You let those 60,000 balloons continue to fly high in the sky. Who knows? Maybe it's time, uh, Broadway Billy, that we shoot them all down. What the hell? Let God sort them out, right? Just take those shotguns. Leave it to Americans. Second Amendment will prevail. Why do so many people have guns? You can't depend on the government, right? So just cock your Winchesters, right? Go up there in balloons and shoot those freaking objects down out of the sky. Isn't that what a militia is for? Come on. You gonna wait for Joe Biden, hmm? Gonna wait for the Pentagon? You know, this is the Red Chinese, and as Gordon Chang has said, now the old Soviet menace. I mean, come on. If we can't blame somebody for this, we have to blame ourselves. Because we've had these freaking objects and balloons in the skies for years, for decades. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. Want to predict that Monday morning when Sid Rosenberg returns from 6 to 10, who's going to be his guest? Gordon Chang. Want to bet over this the, is an act of war. Want to bet that over the weekend on every show here at WABC, we're going to hear Gordon Chang. Nobody's, an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. Nobody, this is an act of war. Nobody, nobody's going to say to Gordon Chang, you know, you said it was an act of war. Lately, we're shooting our own stuff out Commit, of the sky. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. An act of war. An act of war. war. Committing an act of war. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. God. How many times have we done this before? Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. How many yellow journalism? Right before we went to a war against the Spaniards, you had a number of editors of the New York tabloids at that time. I think it was 1898. They told their staff, why don't you go down there and pipe up a story about uh, what happened to uh, the Maine? And they went down to the opium dens in the Lower East Side, smoked some opium, had a pen, uh, put it to paper, and wrote how this was an actual attack on America, even though we sent our battleship there because the Cubans were were uh, raising up against the Spaniards. Gee whiz! That was like the scene out of The Godfather, what, like a century later, remember? We had Michael Corleone in the streets of Havana. And who are we supporting? First Machado, then Batista, then? And then all of a sudden, out of the hills came Fidel and Raul Castro. And Michael Corleone said, I looked into the eyes of a man who took his own life. It's over. It's over, Batista. How many times have we seen that play out before? And then a hundred years later, yes, we've done deep research into, remember the Maine? Oh, it was an accident. In the ammunition depot of the Maine, the belly of the the ship had an explosion. It was an accident. It had nothing to do with the Spaniards. Do we say, we're sorry, Spain? Nah, what the hell? We took the Philippines, Puerto Rico, right, in Cuba? What? Hey, 
Manifest destiny! Can always come up with a reason for war, right? What about those weapons of mass destruction? Could I hear former Vice President Dick Cheney again, how he said to the nation over and over with Colin Powell and then with Tenet, who was the um, CIA director, the Bush 41 to Bush 43. He, he was good for Bill Clinton. Why don't you just keep him on? Yeah, yeah, keep him all on. So he told us about the weapons of mass destruction. That Saddam Hussein had in Iraq. Simply stated, there is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. There is no doubt that he is amassing them to use them against our friends, against our allies, and against us. Simply stated, there is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. There is no doubt. Yeah, I believe that crap. Like most of us. To his credit, the studio is named after the great Bernard McGurk, and he was great for many reasons. Great producer, great talk show host, died too early in his life because he wouldn't get a test for prostate cancer, a simple prick of the finger, a blood test. I remember Bernard McGurk on the old Don Imus in the morning show talked out against this invasion of Iraq. Now, everybody questioned his patriotism, Question his fortitude. Some people call him communist traitor. And yet he said it was ridiculous. And I remember I was on the other side of the issue. I couldn't believe what Bernard was saying at that time. when I was competing with Don Imus and the Imus in the morning show. And it turns out that Bernard McGurk was correct. We went to war over nothing. It was all manufactured and created by the Dick Cheney war machine to go to war. And we all banged the drum. We all wanted to believe our government. You know, remember, it was uh, Senator Kerry. I voted for it first, then against it, then for it, and then Hillary. Well, I voted for to go to war, but I didn't read uh, the resolution, right? Okay. What a mess we created there, right? So maybe we ought to pause... Since I've already told you three times in history, three times that we were lied to and went to war. The blowing up of the battleship Maine in the harbor of Havana, which then all of a sudden the government and the people got into a frenzy, war frenzy. Let's go to war against Spain. And we ended up taking the Philippines, Puerto Rico, and Cuba. And remember, you know, manifest destiny. I tell you, remember, Teddy Roosevelt up San Juan Hill. That would have never happened. We felt good, though. Felt good. And then, of course, the worst. And I will never forget it because it happened in my lifetime. And I know many of you remember when President of the United States at that time, LBJ demanded uh, network time came on the air at night and told us of the attack in the Gulf of Tonkin off of the coast of Vietnam. Two American uh, destroyers were attacked by some PT boats of the North Vietnamese and that this was an act of war. And immediately in the House and Senate, they passed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, which gave LBJ an opportunity to accelerate the war in Vietnam. And man, he took 
total advantage of that because he was lying to us. The generals wanted this. McNamara wanted this, Secretary of Defense, and they pumped that war machine. What, 58,000 Americans dead, millions of Vietnamese dead, untold, dead on both sides. You say, for what? And then only to find out years later that this Gulf of Tonkin attack against our destroyers was all made up. It never happened. It never happened. But there was a rush to war. Just like this time. A rush to war. And some of you were like, uh, you were frothing. Yeah, we got to get these red Chinese. How dare they invade our space? We invade everybody else's space, but that's okay because we're right and they're wrong. How many, how, how many times does it have to happen and then you don't learn from history? Let's go to Nora in Manhattan. You're trying to be heard here at WABC, Nora. Good morning, Curtis. I have an answer to your question about the statue uh, in Binghamton, and it is in honor of the best television writer, producer, Rod Serling. My favorite television show of all time. Absolutely. In the next hour, when we talk about all those folks who believe that uh, what is up there are the UFOs, we are going to be referring to uh, some of Rod Sherling's best episodes, Nora. You couldn't be more hopelessly right, Nora. Uh, I hope you talk about the episode The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street because it encompasses the... um, UFOs and how people react and, and you know, the the uh, prejudices and uh, all the, the hatred that comes out. And then um, at the final end of the episode, there really were Martians you know, <laughs> overlooking, and it said one to the other. The people were at each other's throats. If you recall, at the end, and, and the camera pulls away, and they look like ants, you know, running around, and these two Martians say, is it like one says to the other, is it like this every you know everywhere? And the other one says yes. Uh, it's just we take take their lights out, shut their lights off, shut off their electricity, and the way that's the way it is. One to the other, one to the other. It's an it's an iconic episode, and it really is quite a commentary on how people react. And uh, so I I hope you talk about that one. Yes, and Nora, yeah. remember that was staged in the heartland of America in a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Everybody right. had their own homes. It was Americana, and then all of yes. these great Americans turning on one another. Yes, right. And the guns, it's the home. They hit. One shoots uh, a gun, uh, kills this man who was actually going to another part of the neighborhood, to another neighborhood, to see if their lights were out. And it's, I think it, oh, I forget the, the gentleman's name, but he was, he, he did a lot of TV, and he played these kinds of characters. Um, but it's really, it was a study of uh, human nature. And, no, you know, no. Rod Serling, um, Rod Serling had a lot to say, but he couldn't portray the way he wanted to, so he did it through fantasy. So that's why the show stands, you know, it it, hold, it it stands out and it holds up after all these years, and it started in 1959. Oh, yeah, and so, uh, by the way, Nora, great PSA for not smoking. Rod Serling died much too early in life because he died of lung cancer. Guy, yeah, Remember, he used to smoke right on the TV. It was like a two-pack-a-day guy. 
Five o'clock hour, we'll talk about Rush Limbaugh. My colleague for many years used to broadcast from the old WABC. We were down the hallway from one another, died of lung cancer because he would be smoking cigars like there was no tomorrow. And then uh, we'll talk about how Sid Rosenberg, who now needs a crane to get him uh, in and out of his studio, actually said that he was more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh. And his staff agreed because it's job security. If you don't say that to uh, Sid, you'll be on the outside looking, oh, we're going to the break of dawn with this. And we're introducing some new songs that have the theme of warmongers, war generals, people who try to get us into a war because there's profit to be made. They are profiteers. Whether they are guests, whether they have a side hustle because they represent the industrial war machine of America, remember, they're promoting war because, like profiteers, there is money to be made. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. An act of war. An act of war. war. Committing an act of war. Committing an act of war. All night long. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Wait until the war is over. And we're both a little older The unknown soldier Breakfast where the news is read Television children fed Unborn living, living dead Bullets strikes the helmet's Which group did this song Make a grave called The Unknown Soldier. Soldier? Consider how many men have died in battle or come back all maimed and mangled emotionally, mentally, physically over nothing. Over nothing, needlessly. What's the group that sang this song? that was repudiated for it, as other groups were 
Anytime they came up with anti-war uh, songs, especially during the Vietnam era, consider that, ladies and gentlemen, 1964. The Gulf of Tonkin. That's why I said you can never trust our government, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. You can never trust them. It got us into a bigger war than we had been in, and an incident that never occurred. Our destroyers were never attacked in the Gulf of Tonkin by PT boats dispatched by the North Vietnamese. Never happened. And LBJ used that to ramp up along with McNamara, Secretary of Defense, sending thousands and thousands of other young men into Vietnam, many of whom came back in body body bags, many of whom came back just emotionally and physically destroyed and devastated, only to be spat on, condemned, not welcomed as they should have been, as warriors, as those who put their lives on the line because of lies. Because that's what our government does. They lie to us, and we let them get away with it. But it's songs like this that remind me, don't believe their crap. Don't believe people when they come on the air promoting war because what's their side hustle? What are they getting out of all this? More TV appearances because they advocate war? Or are they uh, building up their portfolio because they're lobbyists for the industrial war machine that has always existed out there? They can't wait for its next war. go if we can to uh, Angelo calling from Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Angelo. Hi, Curtis. How are you? Uh, not good because I'm I'm seeing history replicate itself again. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to give you the name of the band that sings that song. Who is it? As in at Jim Morrison and the Doors? Yes. One of my all-time favorites, and uh, Angelo, uh, he was condemned for this song. He was uh, criticized for it. He was uh, said to be unpatriotic, anti-American. And it was a simple song to the unknown soldier, Angelo. Could have been anybody's soldiers, right, over the uh, decades, over the centuries. You see, you cannot criticize the government when you do at a time where they're beating the drums of war, you are considered unpatriotic as our own Bernard McGurk was when he stood up against uh, Bush 43 on the Imus in the Morning show and he said, no, there's no need to go to war in Iraq for weapons of mass destruction against Saddam Hussein because they're not there. And did anybody ever apologize to him, Angelo? Not that I know of. Of course not, because we're on to the next war, <laughs> right? Right, right. It's sort of, like, oh, okay, made a mistake there. A few million people got killed. What the hell? Still a hot mess there in the Middle East and the Persian Gulf. But, you know, there's more wars to be fought. We just got to wait, bide our time, because people are a little burned. They're a little singed over what happened in Iraq. But 
give it a few more years. We can ramp it up. And, uh, okay, let's go to war against the Red Chinese, right? Let's get them before they get us, Angelo. Yeah. Excellent. Now, Angelo, stay on the line. Um, Thank you. Our, our uh, phone uh, screener and uh, nighttime producer, Avery, could you please uh, uh, take Angelo's information? I know that we are under a quota of the number of tchotchkes that we can give out because of supply issues. Not because we're cutting back, ladies and gentlemen, but again, like everything, you know, we want to go to war against the Red Chinese. Well, guess what? They make 80% of everything we buy. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. I love this. Yeah, we're going to start manufacturing our own pharmaceuticals, our everything. In the meantime, we haven't done jack. We're still waiting for ships filled up with red Chinese products to make their way into the ports of America. Oh, we're going to get self self-sufficient. We got to be dependent. Get out of here. So we're going to go to uh, go to war against a country that supplies us with most of our retail products. Hmm. Okay. Don't send Secretary, I mean the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan. Formosa <gasps> might enrage Emperor Xi. Nothing happened. Notice we're not saying that about McCarthy going now, right? Hey, that's Get out of here. You're all so political. You're all so partisan. Bottom line, if the drums of war get banged, and I've heard them get banged before, everybody marches in line. You know, hey, you can't you can't question uh, authority, right? You can't you can't be a Bernard McGurk. Now is the best time, the absolute best time. Let's go to Connor, who's calling from Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Connor. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? How do you, I, I, wait, how do you yeah. think? How do you think I'm doing, Connor? How do you think I'm doing? Yeah. Watching I history, feel I feel the same way as you do. Um, very, I'm nonchalant on 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 the war and the balloons, and I, the more I learn about the balloons, and they, they're in the air anyway. Um, China's kind of threatening us the other day, telling them to change course because we've been flying balloons over their airspace for years. Um, I never heard about these balloons ever in my life. But act of war brings me to my point off the balloons about uh, this news about Biden blowing up Nord Stream 2, which would, in my opinion, be act of war, but uh, on a higher scale than a balloon flying over the sky. So in combination uh, with the Norwegian authorities blowing up this gas main, it was natural gas coming from Russia, would be considered an act of war. Sounds like it's, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Why? I think it's, why I think why, be, why I think is it a, be a big problem? I say, but why is it an act of war? I don't understand. Blow because he did it under the table. He didn't. He didn't tell anybody he was doing it. And now, months later, information is coming out that he's the one responsible for doing it. And he supposedly conjoined with the CIA 
And uh, well, uh, look every 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 other week, every other month, whether it's in combination or on their own, Israel sabotages the efforts of the Iranians yep. to uh, mm-hmm. make a weapon grade uh, plutonium, uranium to use in a nuclear weapon. We're doing that with them. They're doing that on their own. It's an act of war, right? Yeah. Okay, they're not going to war against. I'm, I'm ready. I'll, I'll go to war tomorrow. I mean, these the problem is the problem today is that weak men create hard times, and it's just uh, everything's inevitable at this point. I mean, I'll go to war tomorrow. I'll strap up if you know if that's what we got. Yeah, but do, but kind of kind of. It's enough of this. Enough of this war talk. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I hear you, and I, I know you're a never Trumper. I don't really understand why, but this this is a guy who has kept us is the president in modern history who's kept us away from war, took us out of war, and no one even comes close to him. So no, no, you're absolutely Connor. You're absolutely correct. I'm not at all disagreeing with you on that. It's one of the few reasons uh, that I like Trump, uh, as opposed to all the reasons that I don't like him, is he did keep us out of wars. He did not promote us getting into wars, and he did complete the wars that others started. So Connor couldn't be more hopelessly correct on that. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
Like the whales. Really does. Love this song by Steppenwolf. Let's hear it. And here we come right back into it. leads us into the subject matter of all these objects, items, balloons that have been spotted high in the stratosphere by our U.S. uh, Air Force, U.S. Navy flight uh, patterns, Canadian flight patterns, everybody up there high in the sky. And that's the possibility that some of them are UFOs. Oh, God forbid that any of them could be deemed to be unidentified flying objects, although that is something that is prime time. For the other side of midnight, Frank Morano, that you can listen to Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, the nationally syndicated show. They spend a lot of time on unidentified flying objects, extraterrestrials, uh, gray aliens. Uh, I focus on illegal aliens and naturally Roswell, New Mexico, and the whole nine yards that goes with that. But there did surface in this entire discussion about objects, items, balloons in the skies, that potentially maybe they were UFOs, right? Why not? Our government has always kept from us the information that they have on unidentified flying objects, extraterrestrials, uh, and... uh, 
It's like uh, trying to find information about the Kennedy assassination. It's like pulling teeth. And Nora had mentioned many of the episodes done by the great Rod Serling. Actually, it was from Bingington, New York, where they are struggling to put up a monument in his honor. My God. Come on. The guy was just pure creativity. So many of the episodes uh, had to deal with uh, mental illness and the the way it could incapacitate a person way, way ahead of his time. And many of the episodes, as Nora had mentioned previously, dealt with UFOs and extraterrestrials. My favorite, my favorite of all time uh, is, uh, I guess you could call it um, uh, the episode to serve man. And by the way, uh, those aliens in that episode of the Twilight Zone with Rod Serling were nine feet tall. What were they called? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Here you can actually see the introduction by Rod Serling of the Twilight Zone episode to serve man. Respectfully submitted for your perusal, a cannabis. Height a little over nine feet. Weight in the neighborhood of 350 pounds. Origin unknown. Motives? Therein hangs the tale. For in just a moment, we're going to ask you to shake hands figuratively with a Christopher Columbus from another galaxy and another time. This is the Twilight Zone. So good. While he would puff on that cigarette, which eventually led to his demise, lung cancer. We'll be talking about Rush Limbaugh's demise, uh, which was brought on by constant cigar smoking, lung cancer. It was the anniversary of his death. And uh, what I couldn't believe uh, that came out of the mouth of uh, Sid Rosenberg, who, as you know, I'm on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 7.05 in the morning with him. On Friday morning, he was declaring himself to be more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh was in his entire radio career. Oh, Maranamai, is he full of himself? But anyway, let's get back on track. I digress. So that was the introduction by Rod Serling. And I'll never forget when this uh, alien uh, touched down and walked into the United Nations and was being asked questions by the various delegates. He assured them, assured all of them, that he was there in peace, was there to serve mankind. Precisely why have you chosen this planet for your visit? It has come to our attention that Earth has been plagued by both natural and unnatural catastrophes, all of which could easily be acted upon and prevented. We are here to help you. Are we to assume that there is no ulterior motive? Well, there is nothing ulterior in our motives, nothing at all. You will discover this for yourselves before too long, simply by testing the various devices which we will make available to you. We ask only that you trust us. Only that you simply trust us. And they did. And they had ulterior motives, as you know from that episode. They wanted to eat the human beings and fatten them up on their way back to their planet of origin. Was a great episode again. What uh, was the name uh, of these aliens? 
Remember, I focus on the illegal aliens. Frank Morano focuses on the little gray aliens in our separate uh, The Other Side of Midnight programs. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I heard quite a bit of talk on a lot of programs about the potentiality that some of these objects, items, or balloons uh, were actually extraterrestrial uh, UFOs, people from outer space. And it was poo-pooed by many. I didn't poo-poo them. I was listening to Frank Morano. He had a lot of discussion about that with experts and callers. But the person uh, who had always denied the existence of the UFOs and extraterrestrials in the past was my Kumbadiche Rudy Giuliani. Not this time. While listening to a show, as I try to do each and every day from 3 to 4, I noticed caller after caller was calling up asking him about the potentiality that this, in fact, was the result of UFOs. And for the very first time since I've listened to Rudy, he actually started to suggest that maybe it was. Do you believe in UFOs, number one? Number two, do you believe the story, according to History Channel, which I watch a lot about UFOs, (laughs) there are UFO bases on east, west, north, and south in the base in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean? I can't tell you that I believe. I don't reject it. I can't say that I've seen proof of it. And um, so I'm, 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 here's where I am on UFOs. I do not reject UFOs because I don't think you should reject what you don't know about. But it hasn't been proven to me in a way that I'm comf- comfortable with. So if you tell me it was one of these a UFO, I would tell you I just don't know. I just don't know. i got to go with whatever hard evidence is given to me. And since, unfortunately, the Biden government lies all the time, who knows what the, what the heck I'm getting? But I don't re- no, I don't reject UFOs. Well, when it comes to UFOs, our government always lies to us and always has. There isn't yet a president who has come into office and has cleaned the deck and allowed us, the taxpayers, to know what, if anything, the government uh, knows about unidentified flying objects. Um, Aliens, extraterrestrials, and other solar systems. Nothing. Presidents come in, they promise that they are going to do that, and they release partial documentation, but they don't just sweep the deck and say, hey, the people are entitled to know everything that we know. They never do that. Republicans are Democrats. That's why I don't trust either of them. And I don't trust the government, and neither should you. You should always approach it in a jaundiced way. I mean, look at what the EPA is now telling the people of East Palestine, Ohio, where they had that horrible chemical spill. They're saying, oh, no, no, trust the government. You can drink the water. Get the F out of here. Trust the government. Are you nuts? I mean, I was uh, taught at an early age, don't trust anybody over 30. Now, that was a little excessive in the 60s. I'm sure a lot of you baby boomers We're told exactly the same thing. Don't trust anybody over 30. That was excessive. But you can't trust government. When government assumes that you trust them, 
They will tell you anything and expect you to eat their propaganda, digest it, and nod your head in agreement. Instead of always looking at government in a very jaundiced way, suspicious way, knowing that they'd like to not have to tell you the truth. They don't want to be transparent. They get into those positions of power and then they think they're entitled to keep information from you because they know better than you. And they think you're too stupid, you're too stunad to handle the information. So better not to convey it to you because they're doing it in the best interest of the country and in the best interest of you who would not understand it. Anyway, let's go to Michael, who's calling from Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Michael. Hey, Curtis. Thanks for the call. Um, two things. Uh, one, as you're Mr. New York, Century 21 is reopening downtown, which is a great accomplishment for New York post-COVID, a corner store in New York, right? You know Century 21 discount store? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to China, this is what I was calling about. What what you're talking about, China UFOs, one of the reasons that I really uh, liked Donald Trump in 2015 was his tough talk on China and really calling them out for what they were. And then he got elected, got into office, and just wound up kissing their ass for four years with a weak-ass trade deal, not doing anything after COVID, whether it was intentional or not. They created it. And no one did anything to investigate it. So, as you're saying, things will never change. They will just never change. And I thought that was the one guy who might be the catalyst for change, but sadly, I was mistaken. Well, I will tell you this, Michael. Um, he, at times, with Red China, he played uh, soft cop, tough cop simultaneously. One minute he talked tough, next minute he talked uh, soft. In fact, I'll give you a little potpourri of some of the things that Donald Trump said about Red China in the time that he was president. Uh, It's not that I disagreed with this, but he wasn't always tough. And at other times, he wanted to reach out in solidarity and friendship, which could be quite confusing from time to time. And by the way, I love China. I mean, I love China. How can you not love China? I love China. China, China. China, 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 and you know China, 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 South China, China, China. People say, oh, you don't like China. I like China, China. I love China, China, China all the time. China. What was the last time you heard China? China, 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 China. You want to buy from China? That's great. Buy from China. Buy toys from China. China in particular. China, China. I have people that I know in China. China, 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 China. I've been saying China, 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 China. Let me ask you about China. China. I go to China. 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 People from China. They love me. China. 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 In China, they say I don't like China. I love China. People think I don't like China. I love China. China. China is the new China, by the way. China. 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 I deal with China. 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 Big league. China. So don't tell me about China. I know China. 
China, 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 whether it's China, China. So if you went to China and you want to get a job in China, I don't knock China. How could I dislike China? A man from China, China. You have China. Carl, take China, 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 China. China, 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 China's over here. Look at what China's doing. They're learning from China. China, China, okay? Look at that. Isn't that nice? China, 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 China. And by the way, I love China. I mean, I love China. How can you not love China? I love China. China, China. China, 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 China. And you know China, 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 South China, China, China. People say, oh, you don't like China. I like China. Oh, enough of it. Enough of it. China, China all the time. China, what was the last time you heard China? Oh, you see, Michael? Just yeah, current, that's, yeah. why, that's why I was on hold for 20 minutes. So you guys can put that together, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, but it's true. For every time that Trump put a knock on Red China, and rightfully so, he yeah. would always amend that to say that he loved China. Yeah, and that's, that goes to my original point. That's what originally attracted me to him was in 2015, he was very vehement in his criticism against them when no one else was doing that. And that changed very quickly. Um, well, I, I think, Michael, like anyone, you get into office and you begin to see how dependent we are on Red China for all the products that we purchase, that we buy, that we use. And yeah. when, when you look at all these ships coming into our ports to unload their cargo, how many of them are c- directly coming from mainland China? And so... Unless you have an alternative, and they always talk, oh, we're going to find alternative markets. You know, we're going to go to Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. We're going to go to this country or that. It hasn't happened. China still uh, provides us with most of our products. And uh, unless we want to change our way of life, uh, and I don't think they want to lose us as customers because this is where most of their business is, uh, we're going to have to learn to live together. You're exactly right, and that it leads to another point. Where is Bernie Sanders? Where is Chuck Schumer? Where are these Democrats? Buy American. Get the unions. Where are they? They're nowhere to be found. Well, it's easy to say, and it makes Americans feel good, and there certainly was some movement by President Trump at that time to start developing some industries again in America, some that actually left China because – of the uh, economics, but was still dependent on the red Chinese to manufacture and distribute products that we use for our national defense. We use our pharmaceuticals. We go right on down the line. And I, I I haven't, we've burned nothing in three years. Yeah. But I, I think the economics are of it that you can't do it in a world marketplace. It's, it's a global economy and a, with with what we pay workers, with our standard of living, uh, with OSHA, with everything else that our uh, economy operates with, as opposed to Red China, where they view people as, you know, as indentured servants. They don't care if people die. 
uh, it, it's a whole different mindset, yet they are able to produce products that we need, we want, we buy, and we will continue to buy and fuel the red Chinese machine. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Why they wouldn't want to go to war no, Do- I mean, doesn't make exactly. any sense to me. Why would you want to kill uh, the marketplace that you send your products to? Well, you wouldn't, and con- contrast China with Russia. They're both basically the same kind of government, same authoritarian leaders. China's not invading uh, Ukraine, but they will be invading Taiwan soon. And let's see what happens then. Let's see if the whole world rallies around Taiwan. They won't because we need China because they're so reliant upon them. And no one has done anything about it for the past 15, 20 years. You know, Taiwan, uh, the old foremost, uh, is an economic powerhouse. It's not like the Ukraine was. It's got a standing army. It's got a standing navy. It's got a standing uh, air force. Obviously, it can't stand alone against the red Chinese menace. But with the help of America and some of our allies, uh, I, I have more faith in the the military might and the economic might of Taiwan than I had originally in Zelensky. I think Zelensky surprised the world, as did the Ukrainians, in how they were able to thwart the Russian invasion, fight them off, and how now they continue to take it to the Russians. And the Russians are in disarray. They're just sending human waves of soldiers again. Well, what is the purpose of all this? This is like World War I tactics. Just send human waves of soldiers, conscripts, clear them out of the prisons. Just let them become uh, fodder, cannon fodder. It's like, it's like my God. You say, and what is the purpose of all this? All this killing? Who benefits from this? <laughs> I don't see the end the end game here. And obviously, we have to support the Ukraine. Uh, if we don't support the Ukraine, then Russia moves in, takes over the Ukraine, and I, I believe that they would end up wanting to grab other lands, especially in the old satellites they used to have. Poland, Hungary, just go right on down the line. I believe that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Dave, who's calling from North Las Vegas. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Thank you, Curtis. Um, you know, the, the biggest problem is Russia wanted to become part of NATO, and they were told you have to get online with everybody else, and Putin said, no, Russia does not wait online for anybody. If that had been done, you know, decades ago, it would have been so, – uh, a totally different uh, situation. Yeah, no, no, I, I concur with that. In fact, uh, when that occurred, they were more into electioneering, uh, starting to evolve into some democratic principles. But you're right. When uh, we shut down uh, NATO and the European Union to uh, Putin and basically said, uh, go on your own. Uh, he reverted to believing, okay, you don't want us, uh, then uh, we'll do things uh, the old way, the czarist way. You know, we'll go back to uh, uh, um, a concept of imperial Russia. So you're absolutely right. That was a major, major uh, mistake. And the other mistake was when the uh, walls came down, uh, the Berlin Wall, and then all of a sudden the satellite nations were free. 
we never really went in there and taught them about uh, westernized economy, freedom, uh, democracy, all those things that we just took for granted here in the United States. But we had a tremendous period of time after we won the revolution of establishing all those principles, a lot of hiccups along the way. We just assumed that these people would be able to pick up on capitalism, pick up on democracy, pick up on freedom. And we were watching because we were stunned that it happened, Dave. We weren't expecting that. But we really didn't come in and try to uh, help them uh, in repairing the situation so that they could assimilate. And let's not forget China's Achilles heel is their dam system. That they're very good on the attack, but if you go after their dam system, uh, you will, you know, do a, a a real dent into their population. I hate to say in that in that regard, but they are very vulnerable in that regard. Yeah, I don't see uh, again from anyone's point of view who wins in that kind of a battle. We have to be prepared. Obviously, you never take anything for granted, but when you really look at it and you see how the Red Chinese survive and you see how we survive. How does this make any sense? I mean, there are people who want a war effort. I'm sure there are people in Red China who want a war effort. They've got their armchair generals. They've got their jingoistic group over there, just like we have it here. But to be perfectly honest, how does anybody benefit from that? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. in the Western Hemisphere, I have a feeling any day now, President Biden through the Pentagon will be sending troops into Haiti. That is a country in complete chaos. Anarchy prevails. When a guy like Trudeau is sending Navy ships to help with security and aid, Canada is, you know that's probably just the initial phase of which then an American force will be sent to put down the gangs. The gangs are controlling most of Port-au-Prince. It is absolutely uh, off-the-hook violence there. Shakedowns, extortion, rape, killings, unprecedented. The uh, government has lost all control. The police are on the run. 
uh, I anticipate this is going to take place, and this is a revolving door. We do this every few years in Haiti, regardless of uh, who is in power. Whether it's Aristide, the uh, defrock Salesian priest who decided he wanted to necklace his enemies, as was done in South Africa in the townships when they would put a uh, old tire around your neck if you were an enemy, fill it with uh, petrol and gasoline and light it up and turn you into a human torch. Remember, it was Winnie Mandela who did that in Joburg. Obviously, that was a horror. But uh, Haiti is just out of control, completely out of control. I've spent time there in Port-au-Prince after uh, the earthquake, saw a lot of the NGOs there, uh, millions and millions of dollars. But in any and all ways, so much effort uh, upon these NGOs and Western countries, it almost takes away from the Haitian people an opportunity to be self-sufficient, to operate on their own, because we're always freaking interfering with Haiti. We're always doing that, and we always have. Remember, in the Western Hemisphere, Haiti was the second country to fight for independence based on our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. Lavatour fought off Napoleon and his troops with a uh, slave revolt. And then immediately what happened? The French imposed draconian uh, measures of having to pay restitution to them. Why? They were the colonialists. They were the ones who basically raped uh, Haiti. Or as you would call it back then, a combination of the Dominican Republic and Haiti. What was that called back then when it was all one island, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to Manny in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Manny. Hey, behave, Curtis. People are going to start thinking you're some kind of balloonatic if you keep talking about these uh, flying objects. A balloonatic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Curtis, I'm going to answer this trivia question. But, like, what's up, man? How, what's up with the movie prizes? Uh, is this for a prize or no? Well, I'll tell you what. We're going we're gonna to use a prize, even though we've been told the, we have supply chain issues as a result of <laughs> Red China, Red, Red Chinese right Factory. I'll take the shirt right off your back, Curtis. <laughs> I'll uh, take the shirt well, right off your back. I think the name of Haiti and the DR prior to would be Dominica. No. Island of Dominica. Now, no, there is an island of Dominica, a very small, diminutive oh. island in the West Indies. But um, oh. <laughs> So I guess I don't get the prize. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you an opportunity. Uh, you know, it's sort of like this is uh, special ed social promotion. Um, let's just say it starts with H and ends with A. Hispaniola. Yes. You got it. Yeah. Uh, I right did on. I did uh, sort of boost you up there a little bit, Manny, you know. <laughs> you sure did. I mean, uh, you know, uh, fill in the blanks, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, Hispaniola. And uh, it used to be all considered, you know, one island. And now, believe it or not, the Dominicans have put up a fence in some areas to prevent Haitians from coming in Build to the, the DR. Yep. 
You know, obviously. I'm, I'm also going to answer. You would ask the question uh, hours ago. It seems like now about um, the uh, at the airport um, the peaceniks that were always uh, uh, save the whales, right? And that, that is, was Greenpeace, right? That is correct. Greenpeace would have their tables on one side. And then a few feet away, there would be another table with uh, people who would uh, sit there and man their tables with their literature, in which had they had these big signs that the Queen of England was the world's biggest drug dealer. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? Nah, a little before my time, to be honest. And, <laughs> I, and, I do remember. And sometimes uh, they would have a sign that would say, Jane Fonda is a whale. No. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, Jane. Well, that attracted attention. You see, that was like a play on words to try to get attention so because who, who was that? The Harry Christians? No, no. They, they, uh, they would be there too. You know, Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna. They'd be playing their bongo drums, dancing with the dots on their head, and you look at them, and they're all white people, and you would say to them, "Where are you from?" And they would say, "Oh, you know, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa." And, why are you here eating this like this vegetarian meal with your hands and then banging a drum and then dancing around Hare Krishna Hare Krishna you know basically like a whirling dervish and it was I like, got to tell you Curtis about 25 years ago I used to go to the Govinda the Hare Krishnas used to feed me every day up on uh, Broadway right right in front of the Marine Midland building what was that like give a, give us an idea was, of the experience it was absolutely fantastic. This was the best lunch you could get in New York City, other than maybe like Ratner's. Ratner's had a Ratner's had a cart over by the Citibank complex, right? Mm. I'm going. I'm going back, maybe like mid nineties. But the Govinda was incredible. You'd go first off, line around the corner, and anything in New York City with a line, you know, is good, right? Of course, there's a million places to eat, but this place is a line. And this you would either and, get us, and the food would be free. No, it wasn't free. You paid for it, but it was it was a bargain. I, mean, I think it was five dollars, and you walked away with this takeout container, like almost two pounds of food. Right now, was, and here's how it went. Yes, it would start. You would cho- you had a choice. You either got a you either got a baked sweet potato or a baked potato at the bottom. Right. Yes. Then they would put this noodle on it, right, like a like ziti, and then they would take this unbelievable brown sauce that they made and put it over it, right. On top of that, they would throw maybe a half a pound of broccoli, right. Yes. Steamed green, beautiful fresh food in the middle of a cart, you know, a hot dog cart on New York City. And then on top of that, this was the kicker because this was I've been trying to duplicate this forever. They would take carrots and they would shred them up with like parsley and lemon juice and salt, and it was just delectable. And you walked away with like a two-pound takeout container of food for like five dollars. Now, why did they do this? What was the the idea? Was it to try to get converts? Um, I'm not sure if it was just a for-profit enterprise, and they had the license, and they decided that they would, you know, use this corner for money rather than for um, alms or whatever, you know. But um, I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, the Harry Christians feed a lot of people, you know. 
Did they ever try to recruit you when you'd go online to get the food? Like, we would talk to the guy, and it was funny because I'd always go down with my buddy because we worked down there, you know. And um, we would, like, we would like rap with them and everything. And I, 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 no, the answer is no. It was, I think it was like a for-profit enterprise that they set up. And let me tell you, we, we really lucked out because you can't, you know, downtown Manhattan, I don't know, the food options were, I mean, if you weren't going to Rosario's or, like I said before, Radner's had a great cart. You were going to Smilers or, or, you know, a bagel place or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no, you weren't no, getting no, like, delicious, now. healthy, wonderful food like this. Right. So you're online. It was like a cafeteria. You would get your food uh, and you would go. But uh, were there Hare Krishna sort of like uh, dancing around? Hare, Hare, Hare Krishna. No. See, there you go. The one guy who ran it was clearly a Hare Krishna. But the, the reason why I knew this was because oftentimes the Harry Christians would come down the street and they'd be like a pickup truck, like 20 of them, off the back of a truck, and he'd wave to them and, and they'd wave back, and he knew them, you know? Yeah, it was, you know, it was a fascinating time because you had many of these kind of groups. You had the Harry Krishna. You could always identify them. You had the adherence of Sri Shamoy, who was another self-appointed guru, that was over in the Jamaica section near Hillcrest High School, right across the street. They had a whole colony there. Then you had the Moonies, uh, you know, Sun Young Moon. Sure. They were in the New Yorker Hotel, which uh, is still there, although it's under different ownership. But you had sure. a yeah, they, they bought UPI, right? Yeah. The Moonies own. That's incredible. You had a lot of these groups around. Uh, that would be seen in a lot of different ways, but I'll never forget the Hare Krishnas. They're not as evident as they were years ago. Uh, they had a, a temple down in West Virginia. They had all kinds of problems there. Some crazy guy was in charge there, but they just don't appear to be as visible as they used to be, uh, or am I incorrect on that, Manny? No, I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's... Uh... I think it's just society. It's the homogenization of society, and the you know we lose out as New Yorkers on that too because you know we were unique. And and the Harry Christians, I, I it's funny. I, I do associate them with downtown New York for some reason. Like I, I always saw them there when I lived there and when I worked there and everything. Well, it'd be interesting. Uh, see if any of our listeners out there. Uh, either were ever involved with Hare Krishna or the Sri Shamoy people out in Jamaica or uh, the Moonies, um, Unification Church, or any of those other groups. Uh, very, very visible back then, not as much now. I know they still exist, uh, but they no longer seem to have the same numbers. They no longer seem to be out there and about in public ways as they used to be when they were actively trying to recruit and convert people to their belief system. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
great uh, song for the TV show Combat. Vic Morrow, remember, who uh, was beheaded years later, well, I guess on a movie set, a helicopter, just uh, extricated his head from his uh, shoulders. And who was the other person who was always announced in the beginning? They would say Vic Morrow and blankety-blank in combat, where they go after the Krauts. You could call them then, sauerkrauts and Krauts. Can't do that anymore. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jimmy in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Curtis, how you doing tonight? I don't know. I'm mezza, mezza, poco, poco, half and half. <laughs> I only did that to break your balls a little bit. But listen, the island you're looking for is Hispaniola. That's the island that Columbus landed on in the New World. That is correct. Hispaniola, a combination now of the DR, Dominican Republic, and Haiti. In fact, if you believe it, when you go to the cathedral in Santo Domingo, the capital of the Dominican Republic, they claim to have the bones of Christopher Columbus there. Uh, which is up uh, near the main altar. I don't know if, in fact, that's true or not, but they claim it's the uh, bones of Christopher Columbus. But right, I don't think it's true because Columbus died a broke man. He was broke. He didn't go back there and die. There's no way that happened. I think he was blessed. I don't think he went back there and died. You don't think they uh, partitioned off his bones and uh, sent him back to the DR, to Santo Domingo? No, I don't think so. And and I think I'm uh, eligible for a uh, Curtis uh, Prize for answering the question. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, Avery, uh, telephone uh, screener, just take the message. They're going to have to send him a uh, Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. Don't ask, don't tell. But yes, uh, it is uh, not Dominica, as was mentioned before. It is Hispaniola. And uh, I am predicting now that Canada is sending a naval fleet to Haiti, and they're sending aid, they're sending their Navy fleet and aid that is just a precursor to the United States sending in the Navy and the uh, Army and basically trying to stabilize Haiti once again. We meddle in their affairs over and over again. Curtis, Curtis, Haiti cannot be stabilized. That, oh, it can be. Wild, that is the most wild country on the planet. No. And while I have you on the phone, well, I wait, 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 why, why do you say that, Jimmy? We're always interfering with them, never giving them an opportunity to become self-sufficient. Why should we have to interfere with any country? Do well, we interfere with China? Do well, we interfere with yes, Russia? Yes. Do we interfere with Germany? No. Yes. No, yes, 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 yes. It's called the Boxer <laughs> Rebellion. Do you ever remember the Boxer Rebellion? Even I if you the Boxer Rebellion. Listen, we we were we forcing another country for them to Jimmy, take care of themselves. We were forcing opium upon the red Chinese people of now. What was that? What what are you kidding? You're you're comparing what we did then? The Roosevelts made their fortune by selling opium in Delano's. China. It was the Delano's that did that. It was Warren Delano that sent opium into China. 
England, France, Germany, Japan, the United States. We went to war against them to force them to use opium. We didn't go to war against them. No, yes, we did. We were, listen, we were in China. We had colonized China. It was part of the colonialism that they rejected. Why wouldn't they reject it? They were in existence. They they were in existence long before America, Jimmy. You are aware of that, aren't you? So, are you saying that they're not sending the fentanyl to get even? Of course, I'm sending it. It's a business for them, and we're the consumers. We're the ones who use more fentanyl than anybody else, Jimmy. But, but don't you think they set us up by giving us fentanyl patches first? It's called. Supply and demand, and America has an insatiable appetite for drugs. That's why you'll always find people who will feed the demand. And if it isn't the red Chinese, it'll be some other laboratory somewhere else in the world to feed the beast, Jimmy. The demand is here in America. Curtis, before I go, I have to ask you one question. Yes. I want to know, how was it possible that you did not win the mayoral election? How could you have possibly lost? And and the reason I'm asking, I bet that you personally helped more people than the swagger man with no playing gut votes. Oh, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever, Jimmy. Uh, the problem is it's like an eight to one uh, ratio of Democrats to Republicans. I lost fair and square. Uh, but uh, that's the problem in New York City and in New York State. Such an overwhelming registration of Democrats who do not want to think at times independently and autonomously like the growing number of independent voters. But uh, things go on a figure eight. People who would not vote for a Republican this time may vote for a Republican the next time. It's what happened when Giuliani uh, became mayor of the city of New York, followed by Bloomberg. And we had the governor for 12 years, Pataki, the Republican. And those were the best of times. I don't think anybody could doubt it. We had uh, 16. Now make that Bloomberg stolen additional four. So that was 20 years of Republican leadership in the mayoralty. Never had anywhere near the problems that we're having now, nor that we had before that under Dinkins. We had 12 years of Pataki. Never had any of the problems we had uh, under Mario Facha Bruta Como, who was before him, or as we had with Andrew Evilized Como after him, and now Kathy Crime Wave Hokum. Hokum. Anyway, number is 1 800 Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Waiting for tonight, oh, when you would be here in my arms. Waiting for tonight, oh, I've dreamed of this love for so long. Waiting for tonight, oh, 
Yeah, this is J-Lo, legitimately Jenny on the block, Castle Hill, Preston High School in the neck, unlike AOC All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez claimed that she was brought up in Parchester, lies, lies, and more lies. She's a Westchester through and through gal who pretends she's got Bronx credibility, but that's not why we're playing this song. It was about 3.30 in the morning, Friday. Had to get up. was coming in to do uh, 7.05 with Sid Rosenberg, as I do, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, because I am the fiend, I am the foe. He may have all of his uh, friends, but I'm sort of the antidote to all of the Barney talk that goes on. I love you, you love me, especially around... Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, and he proved that up in Albany this past week. But I digress. In the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to discuss what Sid was talking about, crowing about, all morning long, self-appointing uh, himself to have been a better broadcaster, entertainment-wise, than Rush Limbaugh, whose anniversary of his death uh, was this uh, very past day. We're going to get into that. Because I knew Rush Limbaugh worked with him side by side in the old WABC when he was right down the hall from me. And I can tell you this, Sid Rosenberg is no Rush Limbaugh. But I got up, it was 3.30 in the morning, and I noticed that six of our 18 rescue cats that uh, Nancy, my wife, has rescued from the shelter where they were scheduled for execution, for being euthanized, destroyed, for no really good reasons whatsoever, because it's part of an assembly line if they can't foster uh, a cat out or a dog, or if they can't adopt them out, they execute them. So Nancy uh, watches the death row list. They actually publish a death row list. Uh, the clock ticks away, and if uh, nobody comes to rescue that dog or cat or other animal, they're dead. They're dead. So we have 18 rescue cats, all different ages, all different backgrounds, and I noticed that six of them were right at the window. And they were all looking out, scratching on the window. Yeah, man, they wanted to bust out, led by whiskers. And then there was the big little one. And then there was Peanut. And I noticed there was uh, Loki, there was Thor, and uh, there was Apollo. And what were they looking at? Broadway Bill Lee and Avery, they were looking at two rats outside that had worked their way into the plastic uh, garbage hefty trash bag. And they were having a feast. And so naturally, boy, these cats were raring to go because they're natural predators for rodents, mice, and rats. But there are so many rats in the city of New York now, and it's nobody's fault because during the pandemic and lockdown of March of 2020, exterminators were not going out. The rat population exploded. The rodent population exploded. The mice population exploded, and... They created more dens and more lairs and more burrows, and uh, their numbers uh, have just escalated. So uh, in this particular case, I'm not going to blame Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. He has no plan on this uh, nor anything else, but 
It's a problem they grew in leaps and bounds. And now, now we're stuck with this. I mean, I'm even looking at it outside of my window. And you know them rats. They know there are a hell of a lot of cats inside that will be licking their chops to be able to get them. And you see, a lot of people, they don't understand about cats, whether they're domestic cats or feral cats. They don't eat the mice. They don't eat the rats. They kill them. And then, believe it or not, they present them to you. They want you to see that they're doing their job. This is Mother Nature's way of balancing the population because you will never, ever, ever, ever destroy or defeat the rat population or the mouse population. They will be here. They have survived through thick and thin. If all of a sudden Vladimir Putin, uh, his wildest dream was to come true and he was to drop an atomic weapon over our heads on the Empire State Building... We might melt down the rats, the rodents, and the mice would survive. Could I have a little music, Maestro, a little more J-Lo to set the move? Because it is nocturnal. The rats are nocturnal. The mice are nocturnal. The rodents are nocturnal. And the cats are nocturnal. Uh, I'm telling you, I get a few hours of sleep. As you know, I believe there'll be enough uh, time to sleep when we're all dead. Uh, but when I woke up at 3.30, boy, I could not. The cat was actually scratching at the window. Could not wait, Whiskers, to try to get outside and tear into those two rats. And they were like dancing the horror, the Tarantella, because they knew. There was nothing that was going to stop them from having their 10-course meal out there, right, in a plastic, hefty trash bag. And the mayor uh, decided, oh, I'm going to change the schedule of the time the garbage is picked up through a sanitation commissioner who's not ready for prime time, a woman named Tish, who uh, from birth was born with a silver spoon in her mouth, big enough to offset the trade balance between Red China and the United States, who always had Jeeves, her limousine driver, uh, pick up, uh, Jeeves, could you pick up that piece of paper there, that litter? has absolutely no idea what it is to battle rodents, uh, mice, or rats. But he's put her in charge. And as you know, he has said consistently that he is looking to appoint a rat czar. He said that back in December 7th. Uh, issued a proclamation indicating all the attributes he was looking for. Would pay him $170,000 plus benefits. Then on January 7th, if you remember, I volunteered to do the job at night for free. No charge to the taxpayers because I'm up anyway. I'm nocturnal myself. And he basically, after a few days of me cleaning up his block with the Guardian Angels because it was garbage everywhere, uh, I'm talking about the block that he owns a building on Lafayette Avenue in Bed-Stuy, which, gee, has probably the worst rat problem in the city now between uh, the African-American community that has lived there for decades and all the new hipsters and millennials moving in, whites from Iowa where there are more pigs than people, Idaho where there are more potatoes than people, the population of rats has exploded there, probably more so than any other community in New York City, minus Washington Heights Inwood, which oh, the problem is extreme. But anyway, I digress. So for three days, we cleaned up the block. We looked at where all the burrows were. We looked at where the food supplies were. We were preparing it for the two feral cats we were going to bring in to do the job up and down the block, uh, which we call Batman and Robin. A great team of feral cats. Uh, there were other feral cats in the area that we helped organize uh, with others who uh, feed them. 
provide food for them, water, and shelter. But all was for naught because the mayor decided uh, to get obstinate and basically told me to go F myself and get off his property. So, naturally, you don't want me on your property, I'm off your property. But he's got a huge problem, which is our problem, in that he has not been able to deal with this growing rat problem. And I'm listening to all these experts, uh, exterminators. Oh, cats are not going to work, feral cats. Owls are not going to work. That's the other predator, natural predator of rats and mice. So uh, let's start it off with the mayor himself. We created a montage of all the things that he had to say about rats. Even on St. Valentine's Day, he issued a uh, Valentine's Day card with his picture. And he said to everybody, uh, have a very uh, lovely uh, Valentine's Day. And then at the bottom, he's so obsessed with the rats, he goes, but I hate rats. And he had the picture of a rat with a uh, slash through it. I said, my God, this guy is obsessed with rats. He's talked about rats almost every day of his administrations, but he's done nothing. I hate rats. 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 I hate rats. I hate rats. I hate rats. I hate rats. Let me tell you how scared I am of rats. The rats may be listening. I'm terrified of rats. All of you are scared of rats, too. I had a real rat infestation. Rats are everywhere. We were feeding rats. Those rats use it as perfume. Trust me, you got rats. We were creating an environment where rats felt comfortable. See one scurrying down the block. We want to get rid of rats. We're going to kill rats. Kill some rats. Killing rats. Called me a murderer because I was killing rats. Kill rats. And you see a rat and say, okay, you guys fail. The guy blackmailed me. He said, I know you're scared of rats. Rats do not run the city. Rats don't run our city. You can be the rats off. I didn't crime, fight inequality and fighting rats fighting rats if you're not scared of rats you are you are really you're my hero i should have been his hero right because i'm not afraid of rats uh and we still do not have a rat show and yet everybody is acting like they're an expert on how to deal with the growing menace of the rats and mice and uh it's getting worse and worse by the day So the mayor had his state of the city address in uh, Flushing Meadow Park, Queens, uh, in the theater there. It's a beautiful theater. It doesn't get used as much as it should. Uh, He had a nice turnout, and he was outlining outlining what it was he was going to be doing in 2023. And naturally, lo and behold, uh, who uh, was mentioned but yours truly. This year, we will build upon that work, especially... When it comes to rats. (laughs) Most people don't know this about me, but I hate rats. (laughs) And pretty soon, Commissioner Tish, they're going to hate me. (laughs) Hiring our new rat czar, and it won't be Curtis Sliwa, will be just the beginning of a new era and delivering the best in public service and public spaces. It won't be Curtis Sliwa, but then again, the problem keeps growing and he hasn't appointed anybody. It's, uh, he talks the game, but he doesn't follow through. That's, that's been his Achilles heel all throughout his first year as mayor of the city of New York. Let's uh, get a sense of what's happening out there with the rat, mice, and rodent population. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
And it's not just one of the urban areas. It's now affecting the suburbs. I noticed at the Long Island Railroad, they decided to gas the sides of the uh, uh, rail trestle areas uh, coming in through Nassau County because there were so many rats that had been embedded in burrows in the sides of those suburban uh, suburban uh, trestles. It's everywhere. In fact, uh, listen to uh, Tenant Association talk about their rats. Call 311. Now, a lot of people don't like that method, but it works because it's building a case for yourself. 311 will give you a docket number to request for an HPD inspector to come out to the unit and inspect the unit, assess it, and then uh, give the landlord uh, two dates of service to complete the work or to try to get rid of the rodents. Sometimes that doesn't work. The landlords either don't comply on the two dates of service that are given. On top, they're given a violation. And then the tenants are like, okay, we're back to square one. What we have been encouraging tenants to do is to file an HP action against the landlord. It is a lot more powerful. It's you suing the landlord for, you know, rodent issues that he has not addressed, which he's supposed to address. And uh, we get these uh, cases almost every other day. Um, and we've been very successful in helping tenants apply for uh, HP actions and send them to the courthouse. And most of the time, the judges will side with the tenant. Yeah, meantime, the courthouses have a rat problem, too. The answer, cats and owls, natural predators of the growing rat, mice, and rodent community. Here's Bob Brown, our crackerjack reporter, talking uh, to individuals on the street about rats. I think we need to get the trash off the streets into bins of some kind. It's a good start, right? Close those trash bins, make them, make sure they're sealed, right? Properly. Definitely. It's not going to solve the problem entirely, but I think it's a good start. Do you think a rat czar, though, is the answer? Or just I think people need to be responsible? A little bit of both. I think there should be somebody on, on the city level in charge of coordinating that effort, but it also does come down to individuals being responsible. Mayor Adams says... He was going to appoint a rat czar to control the city rats. He hasn't done that yet. What do you think the answer to the problem is? Need to do it. They need yeah. to appoint a czar right now. Yes, they right. do. Yeah. I trip over them. I've kicked rats before walking. Really? Yeah. Especially by um, um, the West Village. There's a lot. Mayor Adams says he was going to appoint a rat czar to control the rats in the city. He hasn't done that yet. Have you seen rats in the city? Yeah, I saw some in the subway. Yeah, I saw I saw a big one. Yeah. Not a pleasant sight, right? No, not a pleasant sight. So Bob Brown went around, to his credit, and people were waiting for a rat czar. Now, first of all, this whole concept of a czar is ridiculous. Everybody always wants a czar, a czar, a czar. But the hell... That's the term they want to use. Imagine, I volunteered to be the rat czar, probably know as much about the subject as anybody, and the mayor basically told me, F you, and has yet to appoint a rat czar. Why? Because I'm not talking about pesticides, dry ice, drowning uh, uh, rats or mice. I'm not talking about glue traps. I'm not talking about torturing them, you know, with all of a sudden the... uh, Uh, snap traps, which are barbaric. I'm talking about the use of Mother Nature's best preventative. Cats, domestic and feral cats, and owls. Give a hoot. Don't pollute. Woo, woo. Whip a woo.
Whip-a-woo. Now here's a crackerjack exterminator, Gil Bloom, talking about rats. Most of these exterminators hate me because obviously if cats and owls work, you won't need an exterminator, will you? Feed them and they will come, leave the door open, and they will come in. Rodent defense basically depends on defending the perimeter. New York City has always had a trash problem, but especially with the advent of outdoor dining and and there's an abundance of food available for rodents out there on the street. So that's the first thing is, is reducing and properly managing trash on the outside of the building. The second is exclusion, stopping them from being able to gain access into the building. Any hole larger than a quarter, door sweeps on the bottom of doors. Any place where a line comes into the building, be it it cable, electric, whatever, is a possible access point for rodents. Good advice. Good advice. But then again, that's been a consistently undealt with problem as buildings age. Then our other crackerjack reporter, James Flippant, went out and asked questions of an exterminator who was actually at his job at that moment that James reached him. It's been over two weeks since Flacco escaped the zoo. Someone cut the netting to his enclosure. Now that's Flacco, 52, 52, James Flippant. Rat question. One of our hosts here at the station, Curtis Sliwa, he has said we could better use feral cats and also owls to potentially... Uh, control the rat population. What do you think of that potential solution? Curtis, Curtis has been a master of public relations back, going back to Bronx days. Uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't necessarily think that the, the feral, cats... Feral, feral cats have not proved successful according to other experts in other urban areas. Yeah, and who are those experts? Exterminators who you pay money to so they can come and put their poisons out or their dry eyes and everything that at this point is not working. So what are they afraid of? Why not try a combination of all these things? I'm not saying feral cats or domestic cats are going to get rid of all the rats, the mice, the rodents, or owls. But it certainly can help. These are natural predators. For instance, we had this owl, Flacco, right? A lot of attention. Flacco escaped the Central Park Zoo. Somebody had cut uh, through the wire net away for Flacco to escape. And all of a sudden, all these bird watchers showed up wearing their safari hats. You know, they're, they're like uh, Boy Scout shorts. They had their binoculars on. They were tracking uh, Flacco the owl who was going from tree to tree in Central Park and then around uh, over by Fifth Avenue and was just perched there for long hours. And they all said, oh, Flacco will die. Flacco has been used to being fed, hand-fed for many years. He'll never develop those predatorial skills. And I kept saying to my wife, Nancy, of course he will. He'll do fine. There's plenty of rats and mice, especially in Central Park. And what happened a week later... He had to eat, right, because he wasn't returning to Central Park. He wasn't returning to his uh, closed encaged area. And so James Flippin gave an update a week later. 
about where Flacco the Owl was. It's been over two weeks since Flacco escaped the zoo. Someone cut the netting to his enclosure. Originally, there were worries he wouldn't be able to eat since he's been fed by zookeepers for over a decade. Zoo officials say bait and eagle owl calls failed to lure Flacco home on Thursday night. Earlier in the week, they admitted they were reevaluating the bird's need for rescue as he's been spotted dining on mice and rats there in Central Park. In fact, one eagle-eyed Twitter user posted video of Flacco hooting away. Cops, meanwhile, are still investigating to try and figure out who cut a hole in the mesh at Flacco's old digs inside the zoo. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Good report, James, because Flacco had to survive. So Flacco way up in the tree. You probably saw a lot of the video where all the bird watchers were surrounding Flacco. Whoop-a-woo, whoop-a-woo. Man. And they were insisting that Flacco would never survive. Uh, you know, he had to be lured down. They tried all kinds of tricks. Flacco didn't go for it because he knew at night he's nocturnal. And the rats and the mice are nocturnal. And then all of a sudden, boom, he just swooped down. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And we'd be very interested in all of you. In terms of any of the remedies that uh, you use or have seen over the years, whether in the suburban areas, rural areas, or in urban areas, to thwart the explosive growth of the rats, the mice, and the rodents. It really takes a toll on a lot. Oftentimes, they get access uh, into a storage area, and there's foodstuffs there. Forget about it. You're going to have to almost toss everything out. They're like uh, locusts through the cornfield. And that's the other problem in New York City. If a Department of Health inspector goes into a basement area where food is either prepared or stored, and you have a cat, one cat there, which will keep the rats, the mice, and the rodents at bay, they'll write you up a ticket for $300, say that you're violating a Department of of Health uh, um, uh, citation. They don't want you to have cats in the basement. That's crazy. The old-fashioned bodega cat, one cat. We'll keep the rats, mice, and rodents away. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And when I was a kid in Ozone Park on 88th and Boyd, my mother Francesca had this uh, this fake owl. And she would actually talk to me through the fake owl. I was like four years old. Uh, she would sort of talk through the uh, the owl from another room this little Curtis been a good boy. Give a hoot, give a hoot. She would go, woo, woo, whoop a woo. I had no idea that was my mother. I thought I was actually talking to the owl and the owl was talking to me. Turns out you walk around some buildings where they're trying to impede uh, pigeons, or as some of you might call them, uh, rats with wings. Some people will put up spikes, spikes outside on their windowsills. They torture the pigeons when they land on it. It it shreds up their their toes. And others will put out plastic owls, and plastic owls will serve towards pigeons the way scarecrows do to crows in the middle of a cornfield. They're not going to come anywhere near where they think an owl is because an owl is a natural predator for the pigeons. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Do any of you remember the PSA, Woolsey, Woodsey the Owl, Give a Hoot, 
Don't pollute. Hi, I'm Woodsy Al. In order to try and stop pollution, we need more help. So, help Woodsy spread the word. Come on, never be a dirty bird. No matter where you go, you can let some people know to give a hoot. Don't pollute. Never be a dirty bird. In the city or in the woods, help keep America looking good. By the way, trivia question again. Who was it that did the dirty bird dance when they would score a touchdown years ago? They had turned it into a cultural phenomenon and ended up uh, leading them right into the Super Bowl. Which uh, football team uh, fashioned the Dirty Bird Dance, having nothing to do with uh, Woodsy the Owl or that 1977 TV PSA, Give a Hoot, Don't Pollute? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And, of course, there was the Tootsie uh, Pop commercial where Mr. Al would be asked, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Ask Mr. Al, for he is the wisest of us all. Mr. Al, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three... If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. Do you remember that commercial, ladies and gentlemen? Did you remember the previous PSA we played, Woodsy Owl? Give a hoot. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Don't pollute. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long, this is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. file on a pedestal, Michael Jackson singing the theme song for the movie Ben about rats, not two-legged rats. I'm a rat. I rat out criminals. I eat the Parmesan cheese. No, I'm talking about four-legged rats. Did anybody out there ever see the movie Ben? Would you give it a four-star rating? Five-star five, five top shelf. Oh, my God. Oh, the pedophile on a pedestal sang the theme song, Michael Jackson. And probably a lot of people went to see the movie because of that. 
Did any of you see Ben? How would you have rated it? Did you fall in love with those rats? Or are so many of you repelled from those street rats because you find that, oh my God, look at them. They're skeevy looking. They carry disease, the bubonic plague, the black plague. Well, guess who was responsible for that? His name, Pope Gregory. He was actually brought in uh, to uh, the papal see at the ripe old age of 80, Joe Biden's age. And the very first thing he did, because naturally people in the Roman Catholic Church believe that a pope is infallible, bull feathers, but he signed an edict that said that all black cats had to be destroyed by the faithful, by the congregation, because the black cats were satanic. They had to be destroyed. And so the faithful congregation of the Roman Catholic Church went out throughout Europe and killed the black cats. And guess what they ended up with? More rats with fleas on their backs who were biting people that led to the bubonic plague that led to millions and millions who died. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Tom in College Point. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Hey, how you doing, Curtis? I don't know. Meds and meds and poco poco uh, today. Meds and meds. Okay, so uh, uh, the guy that uh, played with Vic Morrow, co-starred with him, was Rick Jason. That's right, Lieutenant Rick Jason. uh, No, he was was called Lieutenant Hanley. Uh, That was his name. Uh, Sergeant Saunders and Lieutenant Hanley, and there was uh, there was Cage who could speak uh, French that came from Louisiana. There was Kirby, and there was uh, Little John. That's right, Little John, who was actually big. Yes, and what uh, I was thinking while I was waiting, I was thinking we need a, a specialized team to fight these rats, and I was thinking of an old television show called the Rat Patrol. Yes, in fact, we are going to play for you the Rat Patrol theme. We're going to take oh, you right. back, Tom. <laughs> That's, remember, it had to do with World War II, a North African desert, four Allied soldiers, I think uh, three Americans, one Brit, machine guns, equipped jeeps, as they were going after Rommel's Africa Corps. Remember that? Absolutely. <laughs> I can't believe we got the clip. <laughs> of course, because we are prepared to take on the rats by all means necessary. Ideas used before and ideas that I've come up with, which are feral cats and owls. Give a hoot, don't pollute. But why not go out there with machine gun equipped jeeps and just shoot up the rats, right? No, no prisoners. <laughs> no prisoners, that's it. Eliminate the rats. <laughs> Say that, Tom, you ask and we deliver. That's what we do here on the other side of midnight, the better side of the other side of midnight, Tom. Okay, do I get a booby prize? Do you get a booby prize? Uh, hey, Avery, do we have any more booby prizes to give away? Avery is. <laughs> So, no, 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 no. We're out of it uh, this morning, Tom. We're out of it. But maybe next time, Tom. 
If we can get our supply chain problems uh, resolved uh, with uh, Emperor Xi in Red China, you know, it's uh, sort of the same problem we've had with all other kind of supplies because like 80% of all of our supplies uh, nationally come from Red China. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. This is an act of war. An act of war. An act of war. war. Committing an act of war. Committing an act of war. This is an act of war. Yeah, Gordon Chang, you and all the armchair generals. We got a little side hustle there representing uh, the military industrial complex companies. Make money on war. You don't make any money on peace, that's for sure. By the way, nobody would want you on as a guest if you said, no, everything's cool. It's copacetic. A producer would say, Gordon, that's not what we were hoping you would say. I'm not going to tell you what to say, Gordon, but if you happen to suggest that it might put us on a wartime footing. uh, Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Okay, are you ready at 8.05? I'm ready. Of course, Sid Rosenberg will have him on, and then uh, Brian Kilmeade will have him on, and then, of course, uh, Greg Kelly will have him on, and Rudy Giuliani will have him on, and James Golden will have him on, and everybody will have on uh, Gordon Chang, who will talk about how this is war. an act of war. This war. is an act of war. war. This is an act of war. war. This is an act of war. An act of war. An act of war. war. Committing an act of war. Committing an act of war. <laughs> Let's go to Brandon in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brandon. Hey, thanks, Curtis. I was going to answer about the uh, the dirty bird, but uh, the candidates were the aliens and to serve man, weren't they? That is correct. So you nailed that one. Okay, so you nailed right. that one. That's the nine-foot, uh, not illegal aliens that I focus on, but the uh, aliens that Frank Morano uh, focuses on on the other side of midnight. Um, that is correct. But who was it who did the Dirty Bird dance? Uh, wasn't it uh, Jamal Anderson, uh, Falcons? That is correct. He would get into the end zone, he'd score a touchdown, and then he would do the Dirty Bird dance, and all of a sudden that became a national craze. You remember? I do. I do. <laughs> and then the next year, you never saw the Dirty Bird dance. It's sort of like a one-year phenomenon. Yeah, fat, I guess. I was yeah. going to say, uh, the Twilight Zone movie got ruined for me because of uh, Vic Morrow and the accident that happened. So I always felt bad about that. Yeah, Vic Morrow, he got guillotined uh, by uh, helicopter blades uh, while he was on a movie set. It separated his head from his shoulders. But, oh, he was so good in combat. He yeah. was so good. We're going to miss him. Let's go to Pierre in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pierre. Uh, yes, you made a mistake about Haiti. So the name of the whole island is not uh, Hispaniola. The original name of Haiti is Haiti. It was uh, from the language of the Indian, the Tainos and Arawak. Is when Columbus came to Haiti on December the 6th, between 5th and 6th, 1492. After that, they changed the name to Hispaniola, which means Lit Spain. But the original name of Haiti is Haiti, which means in the Indian language, High Mountain. 
Ah, now where are you from originally, Pierre? I'm from Haiti. Okay, now you heard the previous caller. He said the Haitians would never be able to take care of their own country. I disagree. But you would be closer to the issue being a Haitian yourself. What do you think? Well, so it is a problem really so that not only for Haiti, but it's for every other country in Latin America. Okay, Haiti is technically a colony of United States. And the American ambassador there really is the governor general of the country. He's the one that gives order who should be president, who should be chief of police, and so on. You know? So, and that happened in every other country. So that's why when a popular guy like Aristide take power, Bush say no, he got to go. So the same thing happened to Gaddafi in Libya and uh, to Fidel Castro in, in Cuba, to Noriega in Nicaragua, and so on. The list go on and on. Look what happened in Bolivia, you know, and in all those countries in Venezuela, you know. And uh, it's in number two about the rat. So do you know that Frank Morano is born on the rat sign, mm-hmm. according to the Chinese uh, horoscope? No, so Frank Morano was born under the rat sign, according to the Chinese horoscope. Yes, so the Chinese horoscope is based on the year you were born. Go to Encyclo- uh, to Wiki Encyclopedia. Put Frank Morano, and they will tell you the, his date of birth, everything about him, and the year. So I check. So the year in Chinese no calendar, right? And so they say is born on the rat sign. Wow. <laughs> that he hates rats. You know, he said, oh, I hate rats, you know, two-legged rats, guys who, who yeah, testify. So, uh, so go to Wiki Encyclopedia and put Frank Morano, and then so they will give you the, the year and the day he was born, everything, right? So then so go to Chinese horoscope and look for the year, and you will see, based on that year, is a rat sign. <laughs> oh, no, I will definitely do that, Pierre, because <laughs> there's no doubt that would make so much sense. Frank Morano, who hates two-legged rats, who rat against uh, his friends, members of organized crime, the Gambinos, uh, was actually born in the year of the rat. That would make all the sense in the world. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Ah, looking out the window here of our studios here at WABC. There are rats out there. Yep. You know, they put the garbage out for commercial uh, pickup, restaurants, other food establishments. They put them out in uh, plastic bags, hefty trash bags. And the rats look at that, and, man, they go to town. They just... 
They buy the whole right through that hefty trash bag. You know, sort of like, you really think that's going to keep them out? <laughs> They're having a feast. So, uh, whatever chops and steaks are left over and potatoes and bread and everything, man, a rat in their family, like eating it up. And by the way, a rat only lives for a year. That's it. A rat's life is one year. And if it's a female rat, they could have as many as six to seven litters, as many as eight to nine to ten rats per litter. Start doing the multiplication on that. And the rats will actually teach their fellow rats how to jump out of the back uh, of a um, container before the uh, private sanitation truck uh, picks it up on a lift. And then they'll all come jumping off when they hear that sound. Beep, 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 beep of the truck coming back. I've seen that myself. I've seen them avoid the glue traps. And the rats are much smarter than the mice. Mice are not that intelligent. In fact, it's almost like when you compare a pig, which is an extraordinarily intelligent animal, to a horse, which is pretty stupid. It's almost like the mice are stupid. They'll go onto the glue traps and everybody will follow the rat. Nope. They'll avoid the glue trap. They'll avoid the snap trap which is a barbaric way of ending their lives. The mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, when he was back being Brooklyn Borough president, set up a demonstration in front of the press corps where he was drowning them with a ladle. Yuck! It's like right out of Clockwork Orange. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Yep, the rats are at play right outside of our studios at WABC. Can I see, hate rats. Yeah, I can see them from right here, then. Eric Adams. I hate rats. I Let me tell you how scared I am of right there. rats may be listening. I'm terrified of rats. All of you are scared of rats, too. I had a real rat infestation. Rats are everywhere. We were feeding rats. Those rats use it as perfume. Trust me, you got rats. We were creating an environment where rats felt comfortable. See one scurrying down the block. We want to get rid of rats. We're going to kill rats. Kill some rats. Killing rats. Called me a murderer because I was killing rats. Kill rats. And you see a rat and say, okay, you guys failed. The guy blackmailed me. He said, I know you're scared of rats. Rats do not run the city. Rats don't run our city. You can beat the rats off. Fighting crime, fighting inequality and fighting rats fighting rats if you're not scared of rats you are you are really you're my hero well i was temporarily until he told me to go f off after three days of cleaning up his property in brooklyn and then uh, getting ready to install the two feral cats batman and robin and patrol the block there on lafayette avenue and then he basically said stay off my effing property no problem private property. I'm out of there. But I'm more than happy to serve the city as the rats are. In fact, coming up this week, there is going to be a presentation by the Rev and the Rabbi. Rabbi Joe Potasnik and the Rev from his mega church in Canasi, right there in the corner of Pennsylvania Avenue and Flatlands. They're having the mayor, they're going to be asking him a series of questions, and I've been invited. That 
is a mistake. Because you know if there's a question and answer period, I'm going to stand up and say, where's your rat saw? Here it is. I'm ready. You know, you told me to F off, but you haven't come up with a rat saw yet. It's like, that was December 7th. We're now working on close to March. I hate rats. I know you do. Problem is, you haven't done Jack Diddley squat anything about it. And you're afraid of rats. I hate rats. 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 I hate rats. I hate rats. (laughs) Anyway, let's go to the uh, phones. Let's go to Robert in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Good morning. Good morning, Curtis. Now, (laughs) let's get a few questions answered that you asked some time ago. The name of the aliens in To Serve Man are the Canamits. You are correct. Canamits. Yes, you are correct. Nine feet tall, 300 pounds, probably from eating all those human beings. Although I once read a fascinating book on cannibalism among humans, and you would be surprised, but we'll share that another night. A couple of thoughts very quickly. One on Haiti. Yeah, you're right. Millions of dollars got siphoned down that rat hole, if you want to call it that. But who was it that gave Doc, Papa Doc, and his lousy, no-good son billions of dollars from 1961 to 1981? We did. Because every time we wanted to not give them any more money, Papa Doc would raise a picture of Fidel and say, oh, if you don't give us the money, (laughs) there's a guy a few blocks away that'll give us the money. And we dropped more money on them. You know, we sent the Marines in in 1915, and guess how long they stuck around? 20 years. Yes, Haiti has had a very, very bitter history. From its independence in 1794, 1803, to then the involvement of people like Jacques Dessalines, Henri Christophe, who built the great fortress, the Citadel, and they again they've had a they've had a bad history. All right. Yeah. Now. Well, again, Robert, we treat them as as if they are complete subordinates. Uh, that they have to be at the beck and call of America because we have not allowed them to have their autonomy and develop their own way of survival. They're always dependent on the United States. Uh, That's uh, the dependency, and that's why we have the problems. Again, uh, Canada is sending its fleet outside of uh, Haiti. Uh, They're sending some aid in, but I think that is uh, just... Uh, will precede uh, the United States sending in troops because there's complete anarchy and chaos in the streets of Port-au-Prince now. The gangs run it. They've run the cops out. There's absolutely no function of government going on. Let's go to Bill, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bill? Yeah, hi there. Hi, Curtis. I have a story for you about rats. You might want to hear it. Sure. Uh, oh, here goes. Well, this was in, uh, this was on, in 1979. It was late at night. Uh, I was working. At, I was working at three to eleven. I got off. I worked from the DA's office, and I was running around Central Park training for a marathon. So I would typically go up. Uh, I would go up. Um, go across Central Park South, up, up the West Side, cross 110th, back down Fifth. Anyway, so I'm coming down, and I'm coming down Fifth Avenue. I'm, I'm around 80, 80th Street, maybe a little further south, and I see this pulsing 
something around. I don't know what it was. I had, you know, it was almost almost six miles. And when I get back to when I get back to the plaza, it's six miles. So anyway, I'm coming down Fifth Avenue, and I see ahead of me this pulsing. I don't know what it was. I get closer. What it is? It's solid rats right at Fifth Avenue, right in front of the plaza. Solid rats. I couldn't see the pavement. It was so thick. Big ones, little ones, every kind of mousey, mousey, rather rat you, you want to imagine. So I, I'm thinking to myself, hey, this is pretty weird. <laughs> and cause I remember six months before that, there was a story about a cab driver who had dropped off a woman in Lower Manhattan at Ann Street, where you know there used to be a a, 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 a cafe that blew up there. It was a vacant lot. Anyway, and she ran away, freaked out. And the Channel Four NBC covered the story then six months ago, and I remember what you know what that what that that out then. I knew that what I saw was definitely newsworthy. <laughs> so I, as I got closer, I saw uh, one man walking through it right in the, in the middle of the rats. <laughs> and so let me let me, let me try that. And I got a little bolder. I, I, I started stomping, and you know, they they really didn't, they weren't scared. They weren't scared at all. They just kind of grudgingly got out of the way. And this was like the night after, after a Jewish holiday. It was the night of Yom Kippur. So there wasn't too many people there. Just a few people and one guy who ran, walked in front of him, and then I did try the same thing. So I said, hey, this is a story. So I called up my friends uh, at the office there, at the DA's office. And I said, guess what? First, first I called into a local station, a, a nonprofit radio station you might have heard of. <clears throat> anyway, I, I told the I told it to the news producer there, and he, he took my my audio feed right right then and there. So the next day I came in and I told my coworkers, "Hey, guess what I saw? I saw rats at the plaza." They laughed at me. Said, "Yeah, yeah sure, rats at the plaza, right? What were they saying? You know, that's probably what they were going to ask me." Then the next night, after it gets on all the news, all the TV stations locally, you know, WOR, Channel Five, everything, it became national news. Or at least local news, big news. Every for the next five nights, every TV station in the city was covering that uh, to see whether you know they were going away or not. It was a big embarrassment uh, to the mayor at the time, who was Ed Koch, uh, the Parks Department, and the mayor were embarrassed. They had just t- taken part in a rat eradication project. In fact, yeah, well, it sounds um, uh, uh, like things haven't changed all that much, Bill. From Ed Koch to Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. I hate. Rats. And I'm your rat, sir. But you told me basically to go F off. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
as I mentioned, coming up this week is a gathering uh, promoted by our own Rabbi Joe Potasnik, who had the very first talk show host here at WABC when they flipped from stacks of wax, top 40 to talk. It was religion on the line. He's had a series of partners. Now he's teamed up with Reverend A.R. Bernard of the Christian Cultural Center. It's the largest evangelical church in all of New York City. It's a mega church. As I've told uh, Reverend A.R. Bernard many times, I said, do you realize, Reverend, your mega church and its parking lot is on a burial ground uh, for organized crime? Used to be chop shops all along there on Pennsylvania Avenue and Flatlands before uh, Starrett City was built right opposite it on the way to the Fountain Avenue dump. But oh boy, they used to dump those bodies there right on the grounds of those chop shops. And then uh, Reverend A.R. Bernard and his parishioners built the biggest mega church within the five boroughs of the city of New York. But it's interesting. I was talking to them on a number of uh, items. They were in this particular week preparing uh, for that public presentation in which they will be uh, cross-examining the mayor of the city of New York. But I don't know what a cross-examination it'll be. They'll be throwing beach balls at them, you know, 13-inch clinches, softballs. And I have been invited to be in the audience. And uh, Broadway Billy and Avery are nighttime producer and phone screener. You can imagine if given the opportunity of asking a question, oh, I'll be brutal, brutal. But uh, you know that both Pastor A.R. Bernard and uh, Rabbi Joe Potasnik will never turn away an opportunity to preach, you know, to give a presentation of 20, 25, 30 minutes. And now they have a brand new um, artificially intelligent way to prepare that through chat, GPT. And it's become uh, quite the debated issue. Rabbis, pastors, priests, uh, self-appointed ministers like Frank Morano, who claims he's a minister from the church of what's happening now. It doesn't matter. But they have begun to experiment writing sermons for their congregation using artificial intelligence software, better known as ChatGPT. Question is, can artificial intelligence replace the work of human faith leaders? Because oftentimes when I've gone to church, because I am an AMP Catholic, ashes on Wednesday... Palms on Sunday, then you don't see me for a month of Sundays. The last thing in the world I want to hear is a sermon from a priest conducting the ceremony because they're normally boring, uh, repetitious. They try to cite scripture, and then you say, gee, from, from what year was this sermon from, right? But now, apparently, sermon writers are fascinated over the fast-expanding abilities of artificial intelligence chatbots, and there's an evolving consensus amongst the clergy that, yes, they can write a passably competent sermon, but no, they can't replicate the passion of actually preaching. 
One reverend said this uh, artificial intelligence through chat GPT, it lacks a soul. I don't know how else to say it. The dean of the School of Theology and a professor of Christian preaching at the Southern Baptist Holy Roller Theological Seminary said, Sermons are meant to be the core of a worship service and often are faithfully this best weekly shot at grabbing their congregation's attentions in order to impart their theological and moral guidance. So it seems like it's a jump ball for some of the reverends, some of the rabbis, some of the priests as to whether you're a lazy pastor by using AI for that purpose and not a great shepherd, the ones who love preaching. And who love their people. I leave it to all of you to figure that out, ladies and gentlemen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Interesting. Uh, we experimented uh, with uh, ChatGPT.com, which is Artificial Intelligence Chat Generator, in reference to uh, comparing yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, with John Gotti Sr., and then also Sid Rosenberg and his very dear friend, uh, Ed, Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. I'll read both of those momentarily, but our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to the Reverend's tape. And imagine uh, if you happen to have been this uh, holy roller in Kansas City, Carlton Thunderbuckle, Thunderbuckle, uh, just give me the money, because that's what it's all about. Show me the money. That's what it's all about, says the Reverend Carlton Thunderbuck. Can you imagine if this uh, preaching of his was done by a chat, GPT? See, that's how I know you're still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted, because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Nick. Y'all can't afford it no how. I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. Mother, ooh, I'm saying this, and I promise you, Deacon, it's not with respect and won't. I'm saying it because I want you to understand just what God is saying. I even found out that Movado, you can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. And y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. Somehow I don't think that could have come about through artificial intent- intelligence, better known as chatgpt.com. Artificial intelligence chat generator. I wonder if he could have generated, though, his uh, apology that came soon after. Though there is context behind the content of the clip, no context will suffice to explain the hurt and anguish caused by my words. I've spoken to those I am accountable to and have received their correction and instruction. I have also privately apologized to our church who has extended their love and support to me. I'm privileged to do life with them. The video clip does not reflect my heart 
or my sentiments toward God's people. (laughs) Yet that's not discernible in the clip. Therefore, I offer this sincere apology to you today. No context could erase the words I used. I apologize to all who have been hurt, angered, or in any way damaged by my words. This guy should have been a politician, right? It's like two totally different people. Do you believe Carlton Thunderbrook? Upon his apology for trying to shake down his congregation uh, a week before, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And how would you like it if you went to your shul, your synagogue, your mosque, your church, if the religious figure in charge was not speaking from the heart, but rather speaking off the teleprompter because they just put a few words in to... uh, sort of channel, chatgpt.com, which is artificial intelligence chat generator. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, there was the Reverend Preacher Kenneth Copeland, who was damning COVID-19. I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. Oh, I execute judgment on you, oh. Satan. You destroyer. You killer. You get out. You break your power. You get off this nation. I demand Amen. judgment on you. I demand. Oh. I demand. I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. Hmm. I don't think you could generate that fire and brimstone kind of speech uh, from chatgpt.com. Again, that stands for Artificial Intelligence Chat Generator. That was preacher Kenneth Copeland. I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. I execute judgment on you, Satan. You destroyer. You killer. You get out. You break your power. You get off this nation. I demand judgment on you. I demand. I demand. I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. Wonder if he ever had a conversation with uh, Dr. Fauci at all. Oh my God! I represent science. Yeah, yeah. Go to church and listen to this holy roller. And then, of course, there's Robert Tilton, who needs your money more than even you do, and you didn't even know it. That word's not for everyone, but it's a particular person. You should have moved a long time ago. You're missing it, and your family is suffering by it. That's a word. As surely as I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, that is a word for a person right now. That is God penetrating your heart. It's burning on the inside of you, and you need to make a vow of faith of $1,000. Oh, Bob, couldn't you say 25 No. You can't make a $1,000 vow of faith. I'm saying in faith. So we got people that don't have... Teenagers that have no, hardly nothing going for them. They got enough faith to make a $1,000 vow and send little $5 here and $10 there as God begins to move like a whirlwind in their lives. Because they don't have that old programming of religion. Well, this isn't the way we do it in my church. Forget your church. I'm talking about what God says. And if you want the kind of miracles that are in the Bible, you're going to have to do what God said to do. 
And I've got the faith to believe they'll come to pass. This is hot soil for anyone that's got the faith to sow into it right now. I mean right now. I mean right now, not tomorrow. That's part of your problem. God's already spoken a word to you and told you to do it. You need to do it right now. If you'll start now and get your seed of faith into the ground, it'll begin to grow and God begin to begin to move. There's that person with that job again. I'm telling you, there's a person that has a terrible situation, a job, and it's caused a financial problems. It's brought unnecessary pressure and stress upon the home and the family. And it's, here's, another, here's another part of it. It's caused incredible arguments uh, uh, between you and your husband and your spouse and your mate. It's, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is somebody's day of harvest. It's, you see, there's a time to fast and a time to feast. There's a time to sow, so there'll be a time to reap. Many people want to reap and they want to feast, but they're not willing to pay the price to sow in order that they can reap. Yes, can't I believe you. can't have what's not seen until you get your eyes over what is seen. You can't see what's not seen until you let go of what is seen. And that's, I'm talking about your money because your money is you. It's your blood. It's your sweat, your tears. It's driving down the freeways. It's going to work. It's believing. It's you. And letting go of it. Hallelujah. I don't think a chat GPT.com artificial intelligence chat generator could come up with that nonsense. That's just a plain all out rip rip off for your money. Uh, He wants to come back for more. He wants to come back for more. Don, thank you, Jesus. Here's a thousand dollar vow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You say you want to make a five hundred dollar vow? Then do it. Then do it. If that takes faith for you, do it. You want to make a $100 vow or two? If that takes faith, see, I like a 1000 because I know I got you. I got you into faith, see? I'm teaching to enter into a covenant with God. When Jacob had nothing, he said, all I started with was a staff. And God blessed him with a multitude of flocks because he dared to enter into a covenant with God. And he promised God he'd give God a portion of all God blessed him with. Don't eat your seed. I said, don't eat your seed. You need to sow your seed and fulfill your vow. There's a person that's read the book and you've not made a vow of faith. You need to do that right now. I mean, right now. I'm going to lay my hand. I've got to start praying. Here's Hamilton. Don, bring them quickly to me as they come and just lay them right here. Here's Hamilton from Virginia. Father, I lay my hands upon this with the cloth. Lord, in Jesus' name, this brother chose to be one today, right now, to use his faith and make a $1,000 vow. Now, God... You said you give seed to sowers, not eaters. Seed to sowers, and then you give us bread to eat. You see this one, Lord, that's had a financial problem in their lives. God, today is an anointing to break the demon, the curse of poverty off of people. And I break that curse off this brother. I lose prosperity into his life and everything he touches. And when he touches this cloth, oh God, let this anointing that's flowing out of me flow into him, revolutionize his life, and never be the same again. Hallelujah! Did you get that in a chatgpt.com artificial intelligence chat generator? Super intelligent bots? I don't think so. But you never know. Can you imagine Rabbi Joe Potashnik submitting to the chatgpt.com? Or the Reverend A.R. Bernard that you can hear on the Religion on the Line program Sunday mornings at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8? I don't know. 
and live in person sometime this week where they're going to be interviewing a Mayor Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. And guess who will be in the audience? <laughs> Eric Adams, worst nightmare, yours truly me. And when it's question and answer time, oh, yeah, I'm going to pop the cue on him, that's for sure. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Among sermon writers, there is fascination and unease over the fast expanding abilities of artificial intelligence chatbots. For now, the evolving consensus amongst the clergy is this yes, they can write a passably competent sermon, but no, they can't replicate the passion of actual preaching. They continue to say it lacks soul. I don't know how else to say it, said Herschel York, a pastor in Kentucky, who is also a holy roller, Southern Baptist. Sermons are what our work is all about. Now you're clapping after what I've said. I'm deathly afraid. I thought truck drivers were going to go long before the rabbi in terms of losing our positions to artificial intelligence. But could it be that the chat GPT will replace the holy roller revs and the rabbis? Can't be fast enough for me, that's for sure. Can't be fast enough for me. Yeah, hit it. Disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not your McDonald's money. I'm not your red lobster money. 
Great riff there, Doobie Brothers. Great riff. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. But chat GPT.com, artificial intelligence chat generator. I'll read you from a few that we generated right here at WABC involving Sid Rosenberg and his uh, pal, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, and yours truly, Curtis Lee, and my enemy, John Gotti Sr. Anyway, let's go to Joey in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, Curtis, good morning to you. Hey, I got to tell you, the last the guy you had on, the guys before that, forget artificial intelligence. Those guys should be congressmen or senators. They're not religious people. They're scouring the neighborhood for the remnants of their hard-earned money. These people are scoundrels. And I'm, a, you know, here's the thing. I'm an old core Catholic guy. The deal is this: it's simple. Religion is just that. The word of the Lord is just that. You don't need magic. There's no stories. I mean, uh, the funny thing, I mean, George Carlin said it. We can't find the Lord, but he always needs money, which is kind of a pain in the book. <laughs> no, no, but that's I'm so true. You know, Joe, uh, you, you, you said you're an observant uh, Catholic, right? Yes, I am. All right. When you go to church on Sundays, how many times did they pass that wicker basket through the aisle? They pass it twice. They pass it once for the dioceses, which I'm in the diocese of Trenton, and then they pass it once for the needs of the church itself. All right. Now, imagine now, if I don't all... think pretty good, but I give them – it's like this. It's like going to the movies. That's what I give them. I give, they give me a day. They give me an hour of religion. I reflect back on uh, what I'm supposed to be doing, thinking, which I believe in. And for that, they're good for uh, 10 to 15 bucks. Now, let's say that there was a special bishop's fund for all the illegals, migrants coming in, and that was the third collection uh, of that particular service. Would you you throw— I would not. No, no, no. And let me tell you, the Catholic Church and some other charities are taking us to the wall because they're pocketing the cash— these poor devils are coming in here looking for salvation or whatever the hell they're looking for. And the Catholic Church is taking the money. Come on, give me more more immigrants. They'll come to church. It's a scam. It's bad news. It's terrifying. Now, at your church, uh, do they have a Spanish-speaking uh, mass? No. Well, you know, that's, you know that's coming, Joe. Wait, but for years I was in Asbury, uh, Asbury Park. And in Asbury, of course, we we shared, uh, which the church is closed now, Holy Spirit, and we we shared the mass. I mean, uh, uh, the ten o'clock and the twelve o'clock were speaking English, and eight o'clock and eleven were uh, Hispanic. Wow! Latino. Wow! Wow! <laughs> You're sharing the space. Well, that's coming. That's coming soon, Joe. Hallelujah, Don. Thank you, Jesus. Here's a $1,000 vow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You say you, you want to make a $500 vow? Then do it. Then do it. 
If that takes faith for you, do it. Damn right. Them holy rollers, that's what they want. It's almost like Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Show me the money. It seems that's what it always gets down to. When you scratch that surface, whether they happen to be holy rollers, a rabbi, whether they happen to be politicians, it all gets down to in God we trust. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Show me that money. And that's what it's boiled down to. And I think that's why it is repulsed so many as it has myself. Understanding that the uh, church does a lot of good work, organized religion does a lot of good work, but there is some work that they do that is meant to screw us to benefit them, period. Not to benefit their congregation. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jim in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Always tremendously entertaining. Uh, when you played before Spirit in the Sky, the Spirit in the Skies were graced with the presence of Raquel Welsh this week. She came to visit me in Vietnam with Bob Hope and Jerry Colonna. Unbelievable. What was that? What was that like then? Where were you uh, housed at that point? Uh, I was up north in Benoit Air Force Base, just outside of that, and they brought us in for the day. It was like. You know, coming out of the bush and going there, it was tremendous. And and Jerry Colonna and Bob Hope would bring guys into the tents, let them make calls home. Uh, it was never a better American than Bob Hope. Now, what about uh, Raquel Welsh herself? Did you go gaga goo goo when she came out on the stage? Yeah, absolutely. Every you know, except for her hair, her face, and her body, she looks just like my ex-wife. Unbelievable. Now, now, hold and, on. Uh, hold on a second. Except for her hair, her face, and her body, she looks like your ex-wife. That's <laughs> it. You got it, Curtis. <laughs> I knew that would make you laugh. Except yeah. for her hair, her face, and her body, she looks like your ex-wife. Now, I got to believe that when uh, she was on that stage, uh, the guys, the troops, were, like, uh, going absolutely out of their mind. Curtis, you've been in the. If you're in the bush, when I saw her, I, I was a short time. I was less than thirty days because I came home January twentieth, and I saw her like uh, just a couple of days past Christmas. And you know, you're counting the days till you can go home. But uh, she was tremendous. But uh, when you spent spirit in the sky, that that really that really touched me because I, you know, she's up in heaven for all the great work she did visiting us, and Bob Hope. Absolute, absolute best. I got, I got two other things for you, Curtis, real quick. If sure, you don't mind. sure. Uh, FM radio it is. We're going to get a conversion. My son-in-law bought a car and an electric car, but there's no AM. He, he, he had to go buy a transistor radio so he could listen to ABC. And the other thing I wanted to ask you: What's with this Dan Goldman going after Rudy? Yeah, well, first... He uh, slides out of his crib when, when Rudy was handling 9-11. Yeah, well, first off, let's deal with the more pressing problem of uh, people like Elon Musk and the other uh, developers of cars, especially the electric cars now coming off the assembly lines in Detroit, Chrysler, Ford, 
um, uh, and then the European models, makes and models, and then Hyundai in Korea and Toyota in Japan, is that they are trying to take the um, AM radios out, claiming, you know, it interferes with the electric system. So that's going to be a battle there. In fact, uh, John Kasmatidis uh, had gone down to Washington to lobby against that uh, the other week. He gave us an update on that, but that'll be quite a battle. So uh, what kind of a car did you buy? It wasn't me. My son-in-law got one from his company. It's a, it's a Ford truck. It's an electric Ford truck. Well, every all of their stuff is is turning electric. Yeah, and and uh, he, he went and bought a transistor radio so he could listen to to you know to Sid and to you and to all the daily programs that that come on. The best uh, the best way to do that though, uh, if in fact you don't have a radio in your vehicle, your van, your pickup truck, your car, whatever it is, whether it's electric or not electric is to use your phone, your cell phone, because uh, once you have an app in there, a smartphone or an iPhone, it's like crystal clear no matter where you go. Oh, okay. i got to run that by him and let him know. He's a smart kid. He probably knows. But Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And no. it's simple. It doesn't cost you any money. You just download the app, and you can mm-hmm. hear WABC crystal clear anywhere. The only place I don't think you could hear it is Antarctica with the walruses and the penguins, but every place <laughs> else, you can hear it. Curtis, help me digest this Dan Goldman because I want to cave his face in. He's he he was kicking the slats out of his crib when Rudy was was handling nine eleven. Now this guy's going after Rudy for mishandling nine eleven and not releasing information to help out people. Yeah, and as you know, uh, his fortune uh, comes from the uh, Dungaree Company, the I think Wranglers. Uh, I think I'm, I'm forgetting. Maybe I got the wrong place. But anyway, he made millions and millions and millions. So now he's going after Rudy, but he's not alone. There are a lot of folks who are piling on to Rudy, even though Rudy turned out to be right with the Hunter Biden laptops. Remember, at first they vilified 100%. him. They said it was uh, Russian disinformation. They had the 51 former members of the National Security Agency said this is classic. Brennan and all those crooks. Right. And now all of a sudden, clap on, clap off. Uh, Clapper is claiming, well, we didn't really say that. Well, what do you mean? You didn't say it. You wrote it down in a letter. And Joe Biden kept referring to it. And in that debate with then-President Donald Trump, remember, he said, I got 51 former national security uh, advisors who said that's Russian uh, disinformation. These people will make you vomit, Curtis. But, uh, no, you got to fight the fight. And Rudy's, a, a like myself, a, a Bishop Lachlan graduate and um, – he makes us proud every single day. He I know, but for wrong. every positive, there's a negative. Do you know who your other infamous graduate is of Lachlan High School run by the Christian oh, Brothers? Oh, what's her face? Uh, Letitia James. That's right. The Attorney General of New York State who has eyes only for anything named Trump, branded Trump, I sue Trump, Trump companies, Trump family. But in terms of everything else going awry, all the crime in New York State, she has no eyes for it or the corruption of her very own Democratic Party. Yeah, she wouldn't know it if her nylons were on fire. She is ridiculous. I will tell you, though, right there in the heart of Bed-Stuy, Lachlan produced not only Rudy Giuliani and his great friend Peter Powers, who uh, helped. Uh, yeah, him. that's right. Uh, they yep. Both of them wanted to go on and become priests. Uh, did they try to? Did they try to conscript you into the priesthood when you were there? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and first thing you did when you got to lockers, they handed you a track uniform. They wanted everybody to run track. Ed Miles, who was the coach there at the time, a saintly man. And uh, no, that was not in my cards. I, I thought I was a good basketball player, but I wasn't quite good enough. But uh, now, now what did, no. So they, they gave you a track suit. They wanted you to what? Uh, run cross country? Run track. Or, oh, oh, wow. Yeah. I hated track. Yeah, they Man, they wanted, they wanted I got to tell you, track. Jim, I hate it. I saw the track outside of Lachlan there. Did, mm-hmm. they, did they ever put up the wooden track, you know, where, where you had the boards and you run around like the, uh, what can we call that? Uh, well, uh, you went up to the to the armory to run. You know, they, they ran you up there. And, and, you know, if you went into the track meet, I, I, made it, I, made it, I made it up there, I think, my freshman year. I, I, I probably ran track for about six months. And then, and then my studies started tugging on me. And then I... Believe it or not, I came from a military family. I had my father and my uncle in my ear about going in the army. There's a war going on. What are you doing? When I graduated at Lachlan, and I went to I went to Brooklyn College for two years. That wasn't for me, and I ended up going into the military. But now, uh, now, question: You went up to the armory in Washington Heights uh, to run on Saturdays yep. to compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. I was I was probably in the same stands. I hated every second of it. But give us an idea. You spent 30 days in the bush. What was that like in Vietnam? Uh, usually when you're out to the field, you were out for about 16, 17 days. And, and uh, you know, we monitored the Ho Chi Minh Trail, and we couldn't go over there. But uh, it wasn't fun, Curtis. It wasn't fun. What was it like? You, know, in- you, were, you weren't afraid so much of dying. You were afraid to get captured. That's, you know, I mean, hey, John McCain was in the – Hanoi Hilton, God rest his soul, what a great man. And uh, Joe Kernan, who was the governor of Indiana, he came home to, to South Bend, Indiana. He was a real mayor, not like the dope uh, Mayor Pete. And Joe Kernan became governor. He was another guy who was a, a POW. Uh, I can't even imagine what those guys had sustained. Now, question, Jim. What was it like, though, at night when it was pitch dark? Well, you, you curl up in your in your in your bag, and and you and you had your weapon between your legs, and uh, you know I was very fortunate. And I had a fellow named Monty Beaver from South Carolina who 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 knew the bush. It was a second tour, and um, you know what? Thank God for a guy like that because I knew punch ball, box ball, stoop ball. What do I know about being a soldier? You know. Now, what and, about uh, uh, what about the insects in the jungle? Oh. They had bugs you couldn't believe, Curtis. You don't even know what the hell they were. But you had a little kit that you had that that you used to keep with you that told you what bugs you could eat if you if you ever got separated and you had to survive. So you knew which bugs you could eat. You know, if you had to cut them open and eat them to to live. Wow! And then uh, out there, um, as you were hunkered down, I would assume that uh, certain other guys had to remain up and vigilant while the others slept. Yeah, there were always two guys that, that had they, – they made sure two guys stood awake because usually they were afraid one guy would fall asleep. Did you ever uh, did you ever come across in the bush there just regular Vietnamese? You know what? The, the uh, Korean soldiers that were there were very, very good soldiers. The, the Vietnamese were afraid of the Koreans. They weren't so much afraid of us. They were scared to death of the Koreans. And, um, you know, I, I'd run into them if we went into Benoit to get the supplies or something like that. But, uh, you know, the Vietnamese never looked at you. 
they looked at you, but they didn't look at you, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. You, you just never felt comfortable, at least me. I never felt comfortable. You know, I, I used to pride myself on having street smarts. And street smarts and jungle smarts are two different things. So you never really felt that they appreciated the fact that you were there? No, absolutely not. Absolutely. But they had to deal with the French and the NBA and Foo, and, and they were always being occupied. And now people go there on vacation. I mean, you know, who could ever think of something like that? You know, who could ever think of going to Vietnam? At least not me. And, uh, you know, it was it was a difficult time. Hey, Curtis, 1968, combat a basic training. Yep. And put together, it was my birthday, June 29th. We put together a few dollars, and we got this sergeant to rent us his car, and we drove from Fort Gordon, Georgia, to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's Fourth of July weekend. So we get into town, there's three of us, and we can't get a hotel room anywhere. And we're walking, and this guy comes up to us and says, listen, I'll let you sleep in the basement at a Holiday Inn, but you got to give me four hours tomorrow being Saturday handing out leaflets. What kind of leaflets? George Wallace for president. Wow. I'm handing out, I'm handing out leaflets in 1968, 4th of July weekend, and Curtis Lee May who was running with him, his running mate, had, did a speech that Saturday night. And, you know, he talked how he could end the war in 30 days, you know, and his thing was he was going to obliterate the Ho Chi Minh Trail, completely shut down the, the port and tell them, you know, either succumb or we're going to obliterate you. And, of course, that never came to pass. But, hey, listen, they fed us and, um, you know, you did what you had to do to get by and then, then I was headed off to advanced infantry training. So. Uh, that's amazing because uh, uh, Curtis LeMay said bomb him back into the Stone Age. And then, of exactly. course, you had George Wallace, who uh, was a populist in addition to being a racist, but did very well in the presidential campaigns, getting votes from people you never would have normally expected to vote for this guy, you know, uh, with the greasy hair from uh, Alabama. And then all of a yeah. sudden, in that era when people were getting whacked left and right, Martin Luther King Jr., Robert Kennedy, all of a sudden he was uh, campaigning in this little strip mall in Maryland. This guy came down from Milwaukee shot him multiple times and turned him into a paraplegic the rest of his life. But I don't think people realize, you know, we have presidential people running for president now. We don't even think about them potentially being uh, assassinated. Back then, you had to keep that first and foremost in your mind. We had JFK who had been assassinated as president. We had his brother assassinated running for president. And then we had uh, George Wallace. What? Uh, virtually assassinated, turned into a vegetable uh, in uh, from a guy who came all the way down from Milwaukee to do it in a strip mall. And, boy, that had quite the effect uh, on George Wallace thereafter. But thank you, Jim, for sharing those experiences. Can I share one other thing with you? Sure, guys? of course, of course. The night, the, night, the night Martin Luther King got killed. It's April the 4th, 68. I had gotten my draft notice, and... Now I want to go to the new Madison Square Garden. The old garden up on 50th and 8th was my old home. So I had my girlfriend and Linda, I want to say her last name. 
she wanted me to marry her before I went into the army. I said, no, that ain't happening. But anyhow, we go to we go to the garden to see the Rangers play that night. I'd never been to the new garden, and I wanted to see it. April 23rd, I'm going in the army. So we go to the garden that night. April the 4th, we come out. Martin Luther King had gotten killed. Mm. Subways were not running. It was crazy. So we made our way up to the police station. They wouldn't let me up the block, and then I showed them my draft notice, and they let me up the block. Then I called my father. He came from Greenpoint. It took him four hours to get to to get to me and Linda, and, and we picked up another couple. The city was upside down that night, Curtis. Yeah. Crazy. No, I remember what it was like, not just here, because obviously I was in this in Brooklyn at that point, but uh, what it was like all throughout the nation, the rioting, the uh, the burning, the looting, the shooting, and eventually in some of the cities, the National Guard having to come in. And all, it's like we've gone full circle recently. We saw today uh, the indictment of the five cops in the murder uh, of Tyree in uh, Memphis. And yet... What the hell were these guys thinking? So little respect for human life. You know, I'm a tremendous police advocate, and thank God for them. I pray for them every day. And that fellow from Jersey... He told my story. I give $10 to the parish and $5 for the diocese, 15 bucks to get out of me every Sunday. And I thank God for letting me come home and enjoy my three daughters and seven grandkids. But you know, if, they, if they announced uh, we have a special Bishop's Fund collection, uh, they're putting the wicker baskets around a third time uh, for the migrants coming in, would you contribute to that, Jim? No, thanks. Uh, no. No, thanks. No, 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 I know. That's how I know you're still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I know that. And that's why they don't try in the Catholic parishes to have a special collection for the migrants because they ain't getting jack diddly squat but belly button lint. That's why Catholic Charities goes to uh, the federal taxpayers, gets millions, and then says, is a dollar for the illegals? And a dollar for us, dollar for the illegals, and a dollar for us. It's a racket. It's a syndicate. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Use that money to keep the Catholic schools open instead of closing them, Dolan, like you just did 12 in the archdiocese, and yet you, you're getting money from the federal government to bring illegals in. How does that make sense? Closing parochial schools. But bringing illegal aliens in, really? 1-800-848-9222. This is another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Padre Filium Spiritum Sandum. This is the new rage in churches and in synagogues and shuls. A chat GPT, artificial intelligence, robots writing church sermons and rabbinical sermons causing hell for pastors and rabbis. 1-800-848-9222. In the next hour, it was sacrilegious what happened Friday morning at 7.05. I'm on with Sid Rosenberg every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7.05.
He said that he was more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh. And he meant it. On this, the anniversary of Rush's uh, passing into the hereafter because of lung cancer. Anyway, let's go to uh, Bernie in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bernie. Hi, Curtis. I want to tell you how baseball merged with Shul. In 1951, I was going to Shul that night with my grandfather to the Stone Avenue Talmatora in Brownsville. I lived on Osborne Street in those days. We went to, we during the day on our old Belmont TV, which is black and white, I watched Bobby Thompson hit the home run. It was called The Shot Ran Around the World, where he beat the Dodgers for the pennant, the Giants. That was in 1951. And then in 1952, when I went to shoot at the Stone Avenue Tomatora, during the day, during the service, us kids were more interested in the World Series than in the service in the shul. We heard Billy Martin catch the ball that was hit by Jackie Robinson near the infield. Uh, Bob Kozama, I think, was the pitcher, and uh, Billy Martin caught the ball, and the Yankees beat the Dodgers. We were more interested in that than in the service at the Stone Avenue Tomatora. Uh, one thing you have to know, in the Stone Avenue Tomatora, which was the biggest shul in Brownsville at that time, the uh, when we went to the Stone Avenue Tomatora, the cantor was Moshe Oisher. He had a tremendous voice before he became a cantor. He was in the uh, an actor in the Yiddish theater. And when Jal Jolson played in the jazz singer at the end of that movie he he, he marries the gentile girl who's in the uh, jazz singer Moshe Oisher made that picture in Yiddish and in the uh, Yiddish version at the end of the movie Moshe Oisher played the role that Al Jolson played but in the end of the movie, he marries the Jewish girl <laughs> who's the who's at the end of that movie. Wow. That's what I have to tell you, Curtis. Wow. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You're mentioning Al Jolson. If uh, Frank Morano were listening now from the other side of midnight, he would get all excited. Because did you know that he is the president of the Al Jolson uh, fan club? <laughs> You know what Al Jolson's real name was? No, what? It was his real name was Asa Jolson. Wow. Asa Jolson. He changed his name to Al Jolson, just like uh, Izzy Dembski later later on. Izzy Dembski, who was from Manhattan, changed his name when he went to Hollywood. He became Kirk Douglas. Wow. And and Lauren Bacall. Uh, uh, there was a woman named Bakel who came from the shtetl in Yiddish. In the, her daughter was born in the, in the Manhattan. Bakel, she wanted her daughter to be a secretary. That was the big thing then. So she said, "No, I want to be an actress." So she went to Hollywood and she changed her mother's. She used her mother's name. Battle, which was her Yiddish name in the old country, she added an L to it, 
and she became Lauren McCall. Wow. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Sultry. I love that voice. I love that look of Lauren McCall. Boy, she was drop-dead gorgeous. By the way, uh, Frank Morano's all excited now. You know, he's president of the Al Jolson uh, fan club. Along with uh, Bernie in Staten Island. And they're both from Staten Island. Frank Morano and Bernie. He's in his 90s. And Frank said his best friends are in their 80s and 90s. From the heart. Knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Originally from Osborne Street, Brownsville, now in Staten Island. He's in his 90s. I lived on Osborne in Hegeman. Probably not far from uh, Burning. Know all about Stone Avenue, which is now Mother Gaston Boulevard. And of course, there's Frank Morano, who's the oldest young person we've ever met in our lifetimes, who is president of the Al Jolson Fan Club. And so this song is for both of them and uh, also in honor of our colleague uh, Bernard McGurk, who should have died as an old man, but unfortunately his life was taken too early because of prostate cancer and how it metastasized to his liver. He didn't take the simple blood test, the prick of the finger, Guys out there, if there's one thing you do, you got to get a PSA test. It's a simple prick of the finger. And if diagnosed, if you have prostate cancer, they catch it in an early enough stage, 99% chance of providing a remedy. There's all kinds of ways of dealing with it now that didn't exist when I and uh, and uh, Mayor Giuliani uh, had our prostate cancer But we survived it. Unfortunately, Bernie waited too long. Ladies out there, force the men folk in your life to get that PSA test. Nag them, beseech them. Don't give in and think, ah, I don't want him to think I'm a nagger. Just nag him. That'll help saving lives. A simple prick of the finger blood test. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
One of the most memorable theme songs to ever accompany a program. When you would hear this, you would know it was the Rush Limbaugh show that was coming on air. And uh, when I think of this uh, song, Chrissy Hind and the Pretenders, just great song. It's sort of a... What could I uh, associate it with? Like Bob Hope, remember our caller in the previous hour who had gone to Lachlan, who fought in the Vietnam War, was in the bush, talked about how Bob Hope brought his show over to the Air Force Base where he was entertained and Raquel Welch was there. Well, remember how Bob Hope had the thanks for the memory? That was like uh, synonymous with Bob Hope or like... Um, I guess it was the um, Johnny Carson Tonight uh, show uh, song by, uh, I think it was done by Paul Anker. I'm not quite sure. But it was like the moment you heard that music, you thought immediately of those shows. And when you heard this Chrissy Hine Pretender song, you immediately thought, wow, it's the Rush Limbaugh show. But I said to myself early on, because when I first uh, came on the radio in 1991 here at WABC, and and I've been uh, on talk radio for 35 years, most of it at WABC, I had the pleasure of working um, on the same floor as Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh, who had uh, been brought to WABC New York from uh, Sacramento where he dominated the airwaves in that area but coming to New York City he got a very very slow start started with his own two hour show and uh, he just couldn't get any traction I think he was on from 10 to 12 initially and then uh, come 3 o'clock it was uh, Bob Grant the king of all talk radio and uh People would call up Rush and say, you just don't want to be Bob Grant. They would say, you'll never be Bob Grant. You know, you're giving away uh, uh, coffee containers and little tchotchkes. Bob Grant would never do that. And so he had a real tough time getting accepted into New York City. And then eventually they rolled him out in syndication. That's when he exploded across the nation. But he was at the point where he was prepared to pack his bags and go back to Sacramento. And a vice president of the ABC networks had uh, done an intervention and said, no, 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 look, we're just going to keep you there and do a national show. So just put up with it temporarily until we roll out the format. And then it just exploded across the nation. But when I first heard his theme song by Chrissy Hine and the Pretenders, I couldn't figure out how the hell was Rush able to play that song. Because just like we've seen with Donald Trump, when he would be at his rallies and he would play different rock and roll classics or different songs, oftentimes the... uh, the people who owned the rights, who had created it, who wrote it, who sang it, would object and even threaten the uh, Trump uh, campaign with a lawsuit. And so then he would have to uh, pull it out. In fact, I think the only one who uh, ever gave him a green light, and not because they believed uh, he believed in it, uh, the politics of the Trump campaign, 
was, I'm trying to think of him, uh, out from Long Island. Ladies and gentlemen, if you know who I'm talking about, uh, just call 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Who allowed uh, then-candidate Donald Trump to use his music, even though he disagreed with him a thousand percent politically, but felt that's part of free speech to be able to utilize what he and his band had created. He did not want to negate uh, the Trump campaign. He was from Long Island took a lot of flack from his colleagues, even though his politics was more along the lines of his colleagues' politics. He just uh, took a stand. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And the other person who, uh, wow, she took it right on the chops was Chrissy Hine because a lot of people said, wait, you're liberal, you're progressive. You're an animal rights person. It's everything that Rush Limbaugh is not. Why are you letting him use your classic song? And then I actually heard the story told on the Scott Shannon show when Scott was uh, doing mornings at WPLJ. No, no, you shouldn't be sitting shiva for him. Broadway Bill Lee on loan from w, uh, WCBS-FM. He didn't die. He just retired from morning radio. But at the time, he was down the hall. We were all on the 17th floor at Tupen Plaza, Madison Square Garden. And he was interviewing Chrissy Hine and some of the pretenders. And so Scott Shannon was saying, how is it that you said it was okay for Rush Limbaugh to use your song as his theme? You have nothing in common. And she said, well, to be honest with you, it was my father, because my father loved listening to the Rush Limbaugh show. He probably would have loved Donald Trump, although he had died before then. And uh, he would have uh, been applauding when President Trump gave, uh, gave Rush Limbaugh, in the waning months of his life, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And she said she used to argue with her father all the time about politics because he was a conservative. She was a liberal. Uh, But she gave the rights to uh, Rush Limbaugh to play this song as his theme song. Because for about a month, as she was explaining it to Scott Shannon, her publishing company had threatened to sue uh, Rush in order to stop playing it. They didn't want to be associated with the Rush Limbaugh show, the number one conservative talk show host in America. And then she did an intervention. And she uh, communicated with Rush and she said, hey, no, no, no. Uh, In honor of my father, I'll let you uh, continue to play this. Obviously, there was a fee that Rush had to pay. And she took the money from that fee and donated it to Peter. And remember, it was Rush who oftentimes would be doing parodies, making fun of people for the ethical treatment of animals. Man, it was even hard for me knowing Scott Shannon. I didn't obviously know Chrissy Hine. Uh, but knowing Rush Limbaugh, to try to figure out, wow, what an unlikely support network the two of them had. And then I found out later on that Chrissy Hine had referred Rush 
to an EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, plan to use chemicals and test them on animals, 4,000 different chemicals. And at that point, Rush supported PETA that was taking on the EPA. And Chrissy Hine donated all of her royalties that she received from the Rush Limbaugh show so that they could play her song as their theme to PETA. Now, had I not been associated with uh, Scott Shannon at that time at the old WPLJ, I would never have learned that. I would never have learned that. She said, Chrissy Hines said she viewed Rush Limbaugh as a right-wing wacko. And she knew that he viewed her as a left-wing wacko. That's one of the greatest stories that I ever heard of all time. An unlikely pairing uh, showing that you could be um, opposed to one another politically but still do business with one another. It's a great song. Great theme song. I mean, we don't have that. I have multiple theme songs. Uh, Frank Morano, uh, he has a theme song from some guy in a garage band. You know, it's like, oh, my God, it's so beneath him with a nationally syndicated show now across the nation. But the rush, I mean, come on, doesn't get any better than this, right? Now, let me see if I uh, remember the words to this Chrissy Hine pretenders classic. And it's pertinent to what's happening in East Palestine, Ohio, with that chemical spill. We'll be talking about that in 24 hours. I'll do a deep dive on that. But I think the words here are, I went back to Ohio. But my city was gone. There was no train station. There was no downtown. All my favorite places, my city has been pulled down. Reduced the parking spaces. A-O, way to go, Ohio. I didn't know that Chrissy uh, Hines was from Ohio. Or was she? I don't know. Maybe she just wrote that song or a bandmate wrote that song. Well, what an incredible story that was with the many other stories that uh, I'd learn about during the time that I knew Rush Limbaugh and worked uh, right down the hall from him. I was doing Angels in the Morning 91 and 94 with Lisa, my wife at the time, and he was uh, just exploding all across America. You drive across America and turn on AM uh, stations And some of them would have Rush Limbaugh in three different stations in the same marketplace. That's how big he was. So what happened? Friday morning, 7.05, Sid Rosenberg, who needs an attitudinal readjustment because he has a crane that takes his humongous ego into the studio each and every day, Monday through Fridays from 6 to 10. He was basically taking a loyalty test or giving a loyalty test, and you had to take an oath of uh, obedience to Sid if you wanted to continue to work with him. Lou, his long-term board operator who goes back to the days of Imus in the morning. Macedonian Phil, who is like uh, uh, New Jack, who lives in Bushwick with all the hipsters and millennials. And then his uh, producer, Justin Ellick, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan. And he was basically sampling them and saying, hey, 
Uh, I'm better than Rush Limbaugh, right? Uh, I'm more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh. So he started up with Lou, his board operator. Also, you know who also died on this day uh, last two years ago was Rush Limbaugh. We had that discussion uh, about an hour ago. Louis <laughs> crapped all over him. It was great. Oh, it was so good. You love it because of the rankings. That's yes. what it is. Louis, uh, and he means it sincerely as a man that worked 30 years on the Imus in the Morning Show. And Imus was certainly a legend. But Lewis, in a moment of candor? sincerity and candor and honesty, actually said on this show on the air, and he meant it, that the only radio host he's ever worked with and or listened to that he thinks is more entertaining and better than me is Stern. Not I miss, not Rush, none of them. Did you not say that? You're laughing now. I'm laughing because I it's something you're completely fixated on and it makes me laugh. But why did you say You knew it was going to was gonna happen. Why did you say it then? I, 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 I don't know. We Did you not mean it? Were you, were you just trying to break my balls no, and be nice? No, no, I don't see you caught. I, I said it in all honesty. It definitely. Why? It's it's very, all it is is very simple. When you watch a TV show, a radio show, is it something you don't want to turn off? Right. That's that's it. It's, I, I can't see how people were entertained for two, three hours straight of listening to Rush. Now, it doesn't mean he wasn't talented and great on the air, because he was, and very smart, and could, could talk and, and, and do a, a good radio show. wasn't for me. I, I couldn't even see putting it on for an hour. It's supposed to be could, could you do that? Oh, no, of course not. Are you I mean, nuts? That's, that's it. So Are you that's nuts? The, that's you go Listen. from there. Wow. See, Lou had to say that for job security. You believe that? Sid Rosenberg said he was more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh, the king of all talk radio nationally. Locally, it was uh, uh, my mentor, Bob Grant. But let's face it, nationally, it was Rush Limbaugh. Can you believe it that Sid Rosenberg said he's more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh at his prime on radio? Is that hubris? Is that chutzpah? Is that insanity? Or is he so ego-driven that he would even make that comparison? Uh, Again, that would be the equivalent if all of a sudden tomorrow I get on the radio and said, oh, I'm more entertaining than the king king of talk radio, Bob Grant. That'll never happen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You know, maybe Broadway Bill Lee, you're a veteran. You knew Rush Limbaugh. In your 40 years over at WCBS-FM, I know you recognize that he had been a jock. He had uh, been spinning stacks of wax. In fact, was fired seven times just as a DJ before he had his opportunity to just do pure talk. He always used to get fired because he would give commentary in between the records. And uh, the stations would say, we don't want you giving commentary. Just play the freaking music. And he'd say, but I feel I got to comment. No, play the music. Seven times up, seven times fired. Until finally he had an opportunity to do talk radio. But for Sid Rosenberg to even suggest that he's in the same league as Russia. I, I got to hear that again because I know this is like Lou who goes back to the days of Don Imus. In the morning he was a board operator there. This is like Lou speaking with a gun to his head because there it is. This guy holds his uh, 
onions. His cocktail onions in his hand because if he doesn't answer the right way to sit, Mr. Humongous Eagle, Lou might be on the outside looking in. He knows he has to say for the purpose of job security that, oh, yeah, boss, you're better. You're better than Rush Limbaugh was. You're more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh. Also, you know who also died on this day uh, last two years ago was Rush Limbaugh. We had that discussion uh, about an hour ago. Louis <laughs> crapped all over him. It was great. Oh, it was so good. You love it because of the rankings. That's yes. what it is. Lewis, uh, and he means it sincerely as a man that worked 30 years on the Imus in the Morning Show. And Imus was certainly a legend. But Lewis, in a moment of candor? sincerity and candor and honesty, actually said on this show on the air, and he meant it, that the only radio host he's ever worked with and or listened to that he thinks is more entertaining and better than me is Stern. Not I miss, not Rush, none of them. Did you not say that? You're laughing now. I'm laughing because I it's something you're completely fixated on and it makes me laugh. But why did you say you knew it was gonna it was gonna happen? Why did you say it then? I, I, I don't know. Did you, you did, not mean it? You you just trying to break my balls no, and be nice. No, no, I don't see you caught I, I said it in all honesty. It definitely. Why? It's it's very all it is is very simple. When you watch a TV show, a radio show, is it something you don't want to turn off? Right. That's that's it. That's I I can't see how people were entertained for two, three hours straight of listening to Rush. Now, it doesn't mean he wasn't talented and great on the air, because he was and very smart and could could talk and 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 do a, a good radio show. It wasn't for me. I, I couldn't even see putting it on for an hour. It's like, because could you, could you do that? Oh, no, of course not. Are you I mean, nuts? That's, that's it. So Are you that's nuts? The, that's he goes Listen. from there. Is he out of his mind, Sid Rosenberg? Yes, he is. And then to put that gun to lose head and basically force him to say, "Oh, you're better than Rush Limbaugh. You're more entertaining." Is Lou understood? If he didn't, if he didn't play the parrot role and just say, "Yes, boss. Yes, boss." He'd be on the unemployment line. Can you believe that crap? Man, this guy is way too full of himself. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Oh, you gonna take me home tonight? Oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, you gonna let it all hang out? Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go round. This was another great theme song for Lynn Samuels, probably the greatest female talk radio show host that I've ever heard, even though uh, mixing me with her was like ammonia and bleach. We did not like one another. But as different as her politics was from Rush Limbaugh, and they couldn't have been any more different, she got along with him great. 
she'd go into his office at WABC. He'd be smoking cigars morning, noon, and night, which was against the rules. But who the hell was going to tell Rush Limbaugh not to smoke his Cohibas? Yeah, he had Cohibas at the time, the illegal Cuban cigars. I passed by the office because the kitchen was nearby. And there's, there's Rush sitting down with the... With the, my God, I said, can't be. No, nah, she had her bags in there like a bag lady. Lynn Samuels. And they're having a good old time talking it up, disagreeing, laughing. He'd be smoking his cohibas, and I'd be like, no, man, <laughs> this can't be. But uh, in tribute to both, Rush Limbaugh, the greatest uh, talk radio host of all time nationally, as I said, Locally, it was the king of talk radio, my mentor, Bob Grant. And the best female I've ever heard in talk radio is Lynn Samuels, who turned out to be a great friend of both Rush Limbaugh and uh, Bob Grant, even though she couldn't have been any more different politically. And by the way, Bob Grant and Rush Limbaugh did not get along. They were like two uh, scorpions in a brandy glass. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's go to George, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Hi, Curtis. You did mention practically everything. You were on a Sid, you know, just before that, you got on, right? Just before you got on. Sid was bragging, you know, so narcissistically. He's really very ill. He was saying, and Lou Rufino was concurring. Then Lou Rufino said that uh, uh, that he, uh, uh, that uh, Sid, you know, besides Howard Stern, is the best talk show host on the planet. And then Sid said, yeah, indeed, because Rush Limbaugh was rather boring compared to Sid, because if you listen to Rush Limbaugh for about an hour, you couldn't any longer because you got so bored. But with him, you can, you can listen to him eternally and never get bored. And the friends, so-called friends, concurred. They kiss his ass. They're so, he is so sanctimonious. And then on, uh, at another t- time, I was listening to uh, his narcissism. Uh, he, you know, he said that he doesn't give a damn, and he was in an angry mode about anybody you know on the planet except Castamides. Except John Katz. I know it's it's uh, George. It's impossible to have been in the same studio as I was on uh, Friday morning at seven o five, as I am every Monday and Wednesday at seven o five with Sid Rosenberg. When it's almost like a gunpoint, he was forcing Lou Rafino, his board operator, who goes way back to the days of I'm in the morning, to make that outrageous statement that Sid was more entertaining than Rush Limbaugh. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. Man, what, you are an egomaniac that's out of control. Boy, I love being right, huh? Well, you were wrong. You ought to show uh, some humility. Oh, I hate myself. You should, after what you uh, said about Rush Limbaugh. I make a lot of money. God. Let's go to uh, Remington calling from the Upper East Side. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Remington. Yes, uh, this Curtis? Yeah, loud and clear. Hey, hey Curtis, uh, regarding what Rosenberg said, uh, that he's he's actually better than 
than Rush. Yeah, more entertaining, he said. He's more entertaining than Rush was. Uh, well, in my humble opinion, he's <laughs> he's not. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I think that would be the opinion of most people. Uh, when Rush, initially before he started to become more uh, assimilated to the mainstream, when he did his parodies, they were so entertaining. Uh, he 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 would he would create these magnificent vignettes that I knew he had to work on a lot. The problem with him, Remington, is um, he ended up going to the White House to meet with Bush 41 and his wife, uh, who he was criticizing Bush 41 all the time as a country club Republican. And then he stayed in the Lincoln bedroom and he sort of lost that edge thereafter. He lost that edge that he had had before that. That was a mistake to stay at the Lincoln bedroom. Yeah, quite frankly, I didn't... uh... I didn't appreciate his uh, remark about the homosexuals. That's one thing that turned me off. Yeah, uh, no, he definitely uh, would make uh, remarks in that regard, although that's what made it all the more amazing that uh, Chrissy Hines would uh, agree to have her theme, uh, to have her music used as his theme song because they almost disagreed on everything politically you can imagine, including um, uh, the gay and lesbians growing uh, strength and influence in the political world and how oftentimes Rush Limbaugh would make fun of that. Yeah, and, and I think part of his success, and you alluded to it, when he expanded uh, throughout the country, when he left, well, he was still in New York, but I think when he went national, it appealed to across America. I think that's what really helped him enormously. That and also it was better when he was in the studio in New York because he had a chance to deal with real people who were working at WABC, real people who he would see in the elevator or out in the street because he was uh, very much a recluse. He did not really go out that often. But when he, yeah, I, read, mo- I read that. Yeah, I read that about him. Yeah, but when he went down to Palm Beach County and started broadcasting from his mansion, he lost all contact with normal people. You know, it's just that's why I hate it when people broadcast from their homes, their bunkers, their places of business. Because I've heard them when they were in the studio, and I hear them when they're in their homes or their bunkers, and they're nowhere near as good as as when they were in the studio. Of course, I'm forceful in my opinions, I'm confident, I'm self-reliant, I'm self-assured, and that frightens them. Being forceful, being opinionated. <laughs> and, and Curtis, I just wanted to add something. You, you guys, you and... 24-year-old girls like you. Go ahead, Remington. Avery, Avery happens to be a wonderful muse. He is your muse, and I'll tell you, I have never laughed harder than the last time you mentioned Frank Morano regarding pornography and uh, Shatner. That was the funniest thing I've heard since Stern. Well, and I thank you. Well, in fact, uh, it's uh, it's part of what we do every Sunday morning, 4 in the morning to 5. So he takes the full 20 hours that Frank Morano put into his Other Side of Midnight. Then he bisects it and dissects it, and he uh, he plays it from 4 to 5 Sunday morning, 
And then uh, we do analysis of it, which turns out to be nothing more than him laughing and me laughing. Uh, and it is the funniest hour in all of radio, Remington. I, I, I And I agree. And I thank you. And I thank you because I need all the laughter in the world right now. And, and God bless you guys. And and, and uh, you just have a, have a good morning, okay? Thank you very much, uh, Curtis and Avery. You got it. And also, as uh, I said... With the uh, playing of Fat Bottom Girls by Queen, another great theme song that was synonymous. Whenever you would hear that song, you would say, oh, that's Lynn Samuels. Lynn Samuels is coming on. And again, I can't say it enough. Without a doubt, and I've listened to a lot of talk radio in my lifetime, ever since my teenage years, she was, in fact, the best female talk radio show hostess and a great friend of Rush Limbaugh. I think I'm rational. I wouldn't mind having a gun. Oh, that's because you're a man with all that testosterone. What? It's just all your testosterone. <laughs> I read this article yesterday. It, it makes men very aggressive. That's why you all want guns. I'm sure it does, but what are you going to do? I mean, there are men out there that are criminals. I mean, I, you know, so... Because they... Uh, maybe we ought to, like, g- g- give you all shots so you don't have so much testosterone. Uh, that might be all right. That, all right. Oh, you want doctors coming in your house like Nazi Germany sucking out your testosterone? No, only to the violent criminals. Okay, that's an idea. Let's think about that, but I'm late for a break, so we we have to think quietly now. What a great talent. Unpredictable. Right from, uh, I mean, improv, nothing written down. It's just all a stream of consciousness. And again, I did not get along with Lynn Samuel. She did not get along with me at all. It's like mixing ammonia and bleach. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jeff calling from Ohio. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeff. Hello, Chris. Uh, yeah, I was just going to mention about uh, Chrissy Hines. Uh, it was back to 82, 84, somewhere in that area. <laughs> it's been a long time. That uh, I went to Kent, Kent State, and uh, her brother, before she was before she, she was just coming on the scene, but her brother had a band in Kent called the Numbers Band, and he was more popular and famous than she was mm. for for everybody in like Kent State area, Akron, Ohio, Cleveland, Youngstown, everybody Warren, you know, in that area up there. Sure, sure. All the numbers band. Now they did make an Kent had nothing but bars. <laughs> it was a little tiny town, but it's just nothing but bars and bar and grills, that kind of stuff for the college kids, you know. Yep. And uh, this one was like uh, the second biggest one or eh, maybe the biggest one. I'm not sure. Down there, railroad tracks there. And I can't remember the name of it, damn it. But, uh, well, anyway. But, uh, no, his band was called the Numbers Band. And originally, it it was a stupid called band. It was like one, two, five, six, seven, or eight or some shit. Mm. And then uh, they changed it to the Numbers Band. And they were the most popular attraction at Kent State during uh, the early 80s. And that's before Chrissy really came on board. Now, I partied with the guy a few times. I mean, I I met him. I don't remember his name. Uh, And a few of the other guys in the numbers, man. And uh, I don't know. You know, back then days, everybody was kind of cool. Hell, I was 32 going to college. These were all 
Now, he wasn't. They had been a house band there at camp for about 10 years. Now, uh, was the brother and sister, were they from Akron? Was Chrissy Hines from Akron? I I got a feeling there must have been from Kent because of the popularity. You heard about her all over Kent. Everybody knew her. But they knew her brother more, you know. They, uh, in other words, her brother was the. I can't remember his name. It was Hines, you know. His last name was Hines. But uh, well, you know, then 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 she just blew up, blew up, uh, with the pretenders. But I told you a story. I wonder if uh, James Golden, A.K.A. Bo Snurdly, aide de camp. Producer, phone screener for the Rush Limbaugh show for since its inception. When uh, Rush came from Sacramento to New York, James Golden was already working at WABC. If, in fact, uh, he knew this story about Chrissy Hines that I've told earlier, that I heard uh, on the Scott, Scott Shannon show. That's right. Don't You don't have to sit shiver for him. Come on. Uh, Broadway Bill Lee, he's not dead. He just left the morning show at WCBS-FM. You're there with Joe Causey. That's all that counts, all right? He should enjoy his retirement. But that was a great interview he did with Chrissy Hines years ago that explained exactly why she let Rush Limbaugh use as his theme song, the song she created because her father loved listening to Rush Limbaugh. And yet she was at odds with her father and at odds politically with Rush Limbaugh, too. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. No, we were a dysfunctional family back then. Rush Limbaugh, down the hallway, King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant, yours truly, and Lynn Samuels. Wow. And there were others. Oh, yeah, there were others. We were a dysfunctional family, but it was a great radio station then, and then we uh, just began to become unglued until we eventually were recovered, resurrected, and restored by John and Margot Katsimatidis of Red Apple Media, our parent company. And now we're back to where we needed to be. Toughest job always is to stay number one as the news talk station in the nation, then to actually become number one. But let's go, if we can, to uh, Phil in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Phil. Curtis, thank you for that retrospective on Rush. Uh, I can't believe it's been two years. I listened to his first broadcast on WABC in 1988. And uh, like like everybody else, I was hooked on it. But I also listened to uh, Lynn, Lynn Samuels. And while, again, I didn't agree with her, I thought she was a fantastic broadcaster. She came from WBAI, that commie station, which I know you know all about. Um, yeah. You're quite a historian, Curtis, because um, I remember that Chrissy Hines' father loved uh, Rush Limbaugh and um, put that thing together. Yeah, that's uh, uh, the way I um, the way I learned about that. You know, I had not known that. I had not really known how Rush uh, procured that great theme song. 
But he, uh, uh, Chrissy Hines, was interviewed by Scott Shannon on the FM WPLJ, which was on the same floor, and she told the whole story. And I was, like, blown away by it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was uh, surprised. Oh, he also said uh, that uh, Chrissy Hines is the kind of woman that you'd have a venereal disease, but you wouldn't mind. (laughs) That's typical, Rush. And again, people do not realize, Phil, he was fired seven times when he was just a jock spinning stacks of wax, always trying to, in between uh, songs... Make a little commentary. And his management and ownership would always pimp slap him down and said, that's not what you were hired to do. Just play the freaking music and read off the index cards, whatever we put on for you. And after a while, he said, that's not what I want to do. And then eventually he became a talk radio show host in Sacramento. And I got to tell you, he hit it big. And that's what caused him to get brought to New York City. And he crashed and burned initially until all of a sudden they rolled him out in a nationally syndicated show. And there's never been anybody bigger. Never been anybody bigger. Let's go to John. When we look out over the United States of America, when we are anywhere, when we see a group of people such as this or anywhere, we see Americans. We see human beings. We don't see groups. We don't see victims. We don't see people we want to exploit. What we see, what we see is potential. We do not look out across the country and see the average American, the person that makes this country work. We do not see that person with contempt. We don't think that person doesn't have what it takes. We believe that person can be the best he or she wants to be. Oh, that's great. That's classic rush. Let's go to John in Freehold. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, John. Yes, good morning, good morning, good morning. Nice to talk to you, Curtis. I, I, I remember the first time I saw you on television. It was in the uh, late, late, late 80s. I was 70, 70, 79. You were on the David Susskind show. Was that, was, that, was that your first TV appearance, Curtis? No, but I remember that. That was a Sunday night on Channel 5 when Metro Media used to uh, run Channel 5. And I remember in the middle of the interview, I answered a question uh, and I said, Dave. And he goes, he looks at me and he says, it's David. <laughs> Already. <laughs> yeah, ego, he, right? he was so pretentious. He was so obstinate. I know. I think he used to go against on uh, the Johnny Carson show. It might have been him against uh, uh, I'm going blank now. The uh, Buckley, Jim Buckley. They go back and forth. They're the conservative, the liberal, and all that. But uh, just just a starting point. I'm, I'm kind of a radio geek. I've been following it like you do. It started early. I was born in 1950, and we'd be 54. So I got a couple of years on you. But still, started listening to radio. Uh, Barry Farber and Long John Nebel and all that. Anyway, the point we're talking about Rush Lumbaugh. When I first heard him, I remember I was driving to work, and this guy comes on the radio. I think it was in the late 89, 88, 89 or something. He, like I said, he was did the first two or three hours in WABC local, and he did his uh, his national show there. I said, who is this guy? And he came out with these ten points of something. I forget what he called it, but he grabbed me then. I, even then, I, I had a feeling. That, it's like the first time you hear the Beatles. You know, you know right away. Hey, these guys, there's something here. This, this is really good. 
and I followed him, and I saw him. He was being interviewed by, uh, what's his name, Donahue in the morning. He grew up a lot of heat in Sacramento, coming a lot of stuff there. And I've been a follower ever since. And, uh, well, we miss him so much. God bless him. But the idea now, here's what I want to ask you. Oh, by the way, a little background. I also want to thank you for, I'm from College Point, Queens. I was born in Manhattan, the east side, Lenox Hill Hospital. Moved to Queens in, I don't know, 53, 54, a little kid there. And uh, and was at a Cub Scouts. I used to march in the College Point Memorial Day Parade, as I see you've, you've been doing. It used to be a lot bigger, and now I, I, I watch it on the Internet because I'm in Freehold, New Jersey now. But I want to thank you for your participation in that and, uh, and showing up in that every year. Oh, yeah. No, no. I love uh, bringing the guardian angels because a lot of them have grown up in neighborhoods that have no idea what the tradition of a Memorial Day parade, the commemorations afterwards, the speeches. You know, it's very... Old-fashioned, it's old traditional Americana in College Point. I look forward to it uh, every year, every year. I thank you for that. We have a little, we used to have a a site about 2009, it started, somebody started a little website, Memories of College Point, all the people that grew up there, and they posted pictures, and and, uh, there's one of me, the Cub Scouts, I think it was 10 years old, 1960, on the Main Street, all that stuff there, and they took pictures of you. And it was the year, I think, I forget how far back we're going. Yeah, it had to be around 2009-10. Anthony Weiner, your, your partner at the, in the middle and all that stuff there. He's not in the middle, but you know that. I know that. And uh, they took pictures of you, and they posted up there. And I see you walking down. And, you, and then a couple of shots behind you. It's Chuck, up Chuck, I call him up Chuck, Chucky Schmucky, Schumer. And then uh, Wieners in back of him there, and they're waving to everybody. And I made a little post like, don't let, I put something to the words of it, don't ever let this guy desecrate our town again, please. You know? yeah, and, yeah. No, 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 absolutely. And the amazing thing is when they'd be in these parades, they would hold big signs, have somebody hold a big sign over them and say, walking down, your U.S. Senator, the schmuck to punch Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, your U.S. Congressman, Anthony Weiner, is like, what the hell do you have to hold a sign up for? Like with a finger pointing down at that person. Made no sense. But it was the Chuck Schumer, as he was the mentor to Anthony Weiner, Weiner away. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. This one story. Let's you know how really bad the state of the city of New York is in. Imagine a gunman armed with a handgun walks in to a 24-hour bodega at the Rockaway Express Deli in South Ozone Park. It's right near Rockaway before it merges into Woodhaven. The 47-year-old employee behind the counter. All of a sudden, it's 2.30 in the afternoon. The uh, thug shoots him with a handgun at point-blank range. You can actually see the video. It's uh, been airing on the TV news. The thug is dressed in all black with a face mask and beanie 
and he aimed for the employee's face and fires at least three shots with his handgun as the man grabs his head and falls to the ground behind the counter, yelling his head off. The uh, thug exits the store as the victim bleeds out from his head, but returns seconds later with a massive machine gun. Massive machine gun. And then the shooter tilts the machine gun over the counter at the employee, still crouched in the corner, and fires at him several more times before leaving the store. Police said the 47-year-old employee was shot in the eye and a second 27-year-old man suffered a wrist injury, possibly from a bullet fragment or a shell casing. This is absolutely nuts. Police identified the uh, shooter as 35-year-old Donnie Hudson, who lives in an apartment about the Rockaway Boulevard, Delhi. Man. Let's go to Jay in Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jay. Curtis, how are you? It's a pleasure. Yeah, medze, medze today. Uh, I've listened to you. I used to watch on Mort Downing. Me and my brother would hang out at night on Channel 9. Remember, remember that? Oh, yeah, the Superstation, Channel 9. It was seen all yep. over the country every night. Morton Downey was on Monday through Friday. Smoking them cigarettes. Yep. I got an answer. I got two answers for you. That was D. Snyder, wasn't it? We didn't want Trump uh, using the campaign song. That's right. D. Snyder of Twisted Sister said although he disagreed with Trump on all of his politics, uh, he felt Trump had a right to use his music. Right. And I, the Chrissy Hines story I heard a long time ago. I remember that. But uh, also, the serve man, the, uh, the I don't remember the name of the Martians, but do you know who played that Martian? You know who that was? No, who? That was Ted Cassidy, a.k.a. Lurch from the Adams Family. Wow. Wow. Ted Cassidy, a.k.a. Lurch. Yep, That's... that was him. Now when you watch it, you're going to recognize him. But no. I don't remember the name of the Martians. No, no, it was great. It was great. I got to tell you, that uh, episode, all the episodes uh, that were put together on the Twilight Zone, they were just amazing. And I don't think what a lot of people realize is that many of the episodes uh, uh, really uh, dealt with the issue of uh, mental health problems. When you actually scratched the surface and you got right down to it, Many of the people involved, major stars and starlets who would go on to make movies, although at that point they may have just been uh, into TV, they would play the character that Rod Serling had created for that episode that had a severe psychosis, a severe fear, a just severe mental health issue. And it's not as if uh, there was a particular remedy that was being suggested, but it's almost like you were able to see things raw, unedited, the way you know they really were, not as uh, seen on television or in the movies. And that was the beauty of it, is that Rod Serling was always able to bring that true to life. And he was... uh, 
was uh, the best thing that ever came out of Binghamton, New York, and they're struggling to build that statue in a park in his honor. Uh, they need to do that ASAP.